0: i'm merlin and we're a gay and his envy episode 44 thank you all so much for listening to another episode of a gay and his envy we are so excited to be bringing you all of our thoughts on all the things that we have been watching this week like we do every week thank you all so much for listening and supporting us in all the ways that you do if you don't know how to support us one of the great ways to do that is by leaving a rating and review wherever you listen to us whether that be on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, across the podcast platforms. Anytime you do so, it helps us get into the algorithm, helps us get uh, seen by more people, and, you know, allows us to sort of Grow our empire. That's a weird way to put it. Empire.
1: We want to take over the Bravo sphere. <laughs> it's, the,
0: it's the gay and MB agenda. <laughs> um, <laughs> but no, we are so thankful anytime you leave us a rating or review. Um, you can also follow us across all of our social media, including Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and Threads. Uh, We're posting clips of the podcast and fun stuff over there all the time. So be sure to follow us across the board over there.
1: Also, make sure that you're leaving comments, liking things, sharing things, all of those sorts of things, because that also boosts us in the algorithm and gets us to see more fans. And again, bigger empire, all all the power. You could be in on the ground floor of the new empire. <laughs> um, you can also. Fudge if your you, blood oath today.
0: <laughs> make sure to uh, also give your offering and, and don our merchandise. To, that's, this is taking a turn. <laughs> um, at again, is com. We have six designs over there right now that you can get on a variety of different items, not just T-shirts. You can also get them on stickers and on bags and on towels and on blankets and on coffee mugs, and just about anything you can think of. And that's over at againisnb.threadless.com. Be sure to check out all the offerings that we have over there. Uh, also, if you have a question for us that you would like us to answer on a future episode of the podcast, you can be sure uh, to submit that across our social media, like we mentioned, or at againisnb.gmail.com, at and we may answer it on a future episode. We would love to hear what you guys have to uh, say and think about anything that we are talking about any topic or just life in general any question nothing is off limits just be sure to submit that to us and like i said we may answer it um what do we have in store for this episode babe
1: well um we are yet again finding ourselves without any drag race to review no uh, like for a while it's I a think. bit of a
0: it's a bit of a drought
1: <laughs> it's a bit of a drought which is kind of a drag but um <laughs> so um, we're just going to be talking housewives today, which does not mean that we are lacking in content because who oh boy this week's episode. It's a lot. <laughs> um, so we, uh, are going to be talking about Roni, um, and how Jessel does not have a filter, um, <laughs> at all. Um, and Bryn's back. Yeah. The entirety of her back. <laughs> just, just <laughs> well, it'll make sense later. On we'll, uh, display, actually. <laughs> Um, we're also going to be talking about OC. Um, what
0: an episode of OC!
1: The this party and like oh boy. Um, but before we get to any of that, we are going to head down to the ATL and talk about a couple peaches and and, and <laughs> some peaches of different varieties. Some peaches and beaches. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Um,
0: we'll uh, yeah. So the newest episode of Real Housewives of Atlanta for this week. Um, we start things off, so everyone's it's they're towards Christmas. It's not Christmas yet, but it's towards Christmas
1: enough that they started it with a freaking jingle, <laughs>
0: which I I I uh, put in my notes. Just deck the halls, twerk edition. It was very like it's, it <laughs> twerk the halls. Yeah, there we go. Some there's a there's a title somewhere. Um, yeah, it was great. Um, we and there's a couple scenes that sort of like these like sort of quick scenes that we've talked about before. Um, Todd apparently has also not only casted Drew in this movie, um, he also has casted Shamia and Monietta for different roles as well,
1: right? Um, but casted Monietta over somebody else who had already been given the role, yeah, 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 because he forgot.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, I think he said like is playing like a stripper or something, or it's some like something like that. This is, I mean. <laughs> I I I almost feel bad for Candy of just like all my friends have to be in these like sexy parts that my husband's like putting together. I mean it's it's work it's professional. It's bedroom candy the movie. There we go. Um, and then we see also Marlowe's with her nephews as they're doing like a Christmas photo shoot sort of thing, and they're they like ask oh because they're like what should we do for Christmas or whatever, and, and the nephews are like maybe we should, we should invite Chef Scott Lee over for you know whatever, and she's like. Mm-hmm. We get we find out later that she's like a little trepidation to bring him around the kids and stuff like that. So, um, we'll get into that. uh, but then we go to Sonya's house and Sonya is um wrapping presents with her sister Shari, and so this is where we sort of get into more of their story that we've been seeing across the season. I don't know about you, but I feel like I've kind of like fluctuated with these two. Like I, I, I start on Shari's side and then I move towards Sonya's, and then I'm like.
1: Well, but that's how it should be, right? Sure. Because in most in most situations, especially like within a family and like the the weird dynamics that happen there, you're gonna have positives and negatives on both sides. Nobody is usually all right and all wrong. Right. And we have delved into this at nauseum with New Jersey. Yeah. So, like, we we understand it's nuanced.
0: and I and. Not to make like the whole like zodiac sign, like, cause, cause I, you know, I'm, I'm, I waver on you're that. talking to a witch. Yeah. Go ahead. But that she, Sonya says that Shari's like, she says she's the literal definition of a Gemini, so that she kind of fluctuates in that regard and is like very hot and cold in, in certain realms. I'm like, that makes sense, actually.
1: Sure. And Geminis are also air signs. They're known for their communication. <laughs> so it doesn't matter which side of the coin. Shamari is on, not Shamari, Shari, Shari. too many similar names, <laughs> Shari is on, um, she's going to communicate how she feels in that moment.
0: Yeah, it's very straightforward and, and to your face about it. Sonya gets emotional talking about, like, it just feels like you aren't a part of the biggest parts of my life anymore. You know, I kind of want, I want to get back to that part, place and stuff like that. And, and Shari says, like, you know, I've been the image of support in your life for a decade. Basically being like, I had this role Yeah. <laughs> as like...
1: Well, and what really, really got me in that scene was Sonya was centering herself in it, right? Yeah. She had no sympathy or empathy for Shari. Right. She spent the whole time going, well, I miss you being a part of these parts of my life. And I was like, when was the last time you were a part of those moments in hers?
0: Yeah. But I think that's... I think... It's From what I understand, it feels like that's what's been conditioned in in the family dynamic, right? sonia has been the track star. She's been the person that, you know. I
1: mean, when you got an Olympian in the, like, when you've got one person that, like, shoots off into stardom, you kind of all have to rally and make that work. And that's really not fair to the rest of the family. Right. Because a lot of times the things that they need and they want go to the wayside.
0: Yeah. And and that's I can see. So I th- it's where I sort of lean on Sha- to Shari's in a sense where I we did say like in some scenes this season where it's like she does I'm like Sonya's putting a roof over your head and and all that stuff. So why do you care? And I still kind of feel that, but like I also understand her being like okay, but I also have a family, and so I can't it can't just be your life that I'm this like minor role in.
1: Like I get it though, because. Like, it's a struggle. Like, you have to, like, do the things that are important for you. But also, I got bills to pay. Yeah. I got to put food on the table. And if I can do that while living with my sister, where I don't have to pay bills, where I don't have to pay rent, where I don't have to buy food, all those expenses go away. Yeah. And then I'm also getting paid on top of that and can put away a nest egg to take care of my family when this no longer is a thing. Like... I would be taking advantage out of out of that. Yeah. But also like not in a negative way, but like using every bit of that opportunity to make sure that I'm taking care of in the future is Mm -hmm. what I mean. Um, But I also grew up poor. Right. Um, And so I know that it's, you know, I know what it's like living paycheck to paycheck. And if you can avoid ever having to get back to that place. You take that chance.
0: And I mean, like, I think later in the episode, Shari, they have a conversation about her getting an apartment or whatever. And she's like, I've never, literally never applied for an apartment myself. Like, even you, Sonia, like, applied for my apartment the last time. So it's like, you know, I think there's that dynamic that's happening that Mm -hmm. we're seeing. And then Shari's like, you know, I'll set boundaries with you on things. And then once I set them, you'll be good for that moment. But then you'll just completely go back to where it was beforehand and just forget all the boundaries
1: i wonder if that echoes in um in sonya's relationships with the other women on this show Mm -hmm. in that she just has a swiss cheese brain yeah so like she forgets the fucked up shit that marlo's done and instead only remembers what's being told to her in the moment
0: right it's kind of like autopilot in a way like like that sort of like, you you're just so intently focused on like, you know what you're what you've crafted your scenario and your world to be. because I just feel like she that's what I get from her in the in the group where she doesn't deviate at all with Candy or Kenya or even right. Drew like there's no like they're like I know this person as to who they are and so therefore it's like
1: you know all the social and emotional things go on autopilot and she's just about you know, taking care of business stuff.
0: Right. Yeah. But they seem to make up uh, seemingly and get to a better place. So we'll see how that uh, goes going forward. We then go to Candy, uh, who's over at Blaze, uh, I guess like off hours or whatever. Um, but Cynthia... Yeah, it was
1: empty as hell.
0: Yeah. Cynthia stops by. Um, so our first chance is to see Cynthia again I mean, at least we get this scene, even though they definitely cut, Kenya confirmed, they cut the scene that she showed up at her music video shoot uh, thing. So, like, yeah. But it's, it's always great to see Cynthia. Um, she's talking a lot about sort of rebuilding her life now in Atlanta. She's back at Lake Bailey, which, I mean, when she said that, I was like, oh, God, I hope we get a scene back at Lake
1: Bailey. <laughs> it was a good house.
0: Yeah. Um, and then she talks about her divorce from Mike Hill a little bit. Not in, like, explicit detail. But like, sort of like, you know, it was just
1: hand wavy, happened off camera, y yeah. kind of thing.
0: I mean, I, uh, I, I didn't have, not to be like, you know, I didn't feel, I didn't think they had the worst marriage in Housewives history by any means, but I don't think it it was going to last. It didn't seem like something that would last extensively.
1: In a world where uh, the Darbys exist. Sure. And a it's world not, where.
0: It's no, it's no Lenny and, and Lisa Hochstein. <laughs> yeah. But it's not like, you know, Kyle Mauricio. But, you know, and, well. Well, Kyle <laughs> Mauricio as of a year ago. Um, you know, I think that is. LVP
1: and, and her husband, Ken. Ken,
0: Yeah. That 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 if they end like that is gonna be like... I
1: I will literally like I'm not even Jewish and I would sit shiva for that shit right like because would there would be an intense like era of mourning right
0: <laughs> but she talks about you know she's in her fifties now and that you know she's famously she, fifty cent famously fifty cent um you know and and she talks about you know being someone who always just believes in love and sort of like and which. I get from her vibe, like, oh yeah. So you know, I think I think she'll walk, clearly. I mean, should anyone not like like her being like the leading bachelorette in all of Atlanta? It's like you know she's clearly oh, yeah. such a catch that like you know she'll find someone. Um, candy talks about how she's celebrating ten years of bedroom candy being a thing, and that she's gonna celebrate with a peach social that she's putting on, and that they're gonna be launching in that social her new peach buzz vibrator. Um, so that'll be exciting, yeah. which
1: I recently found out was eighty bucks, yeah, Holy I was shit. like, uh, like look. okay, like I get it, like whatever, like get your bag, and clearly, you've been around for ten years, so like the pricing can't be that bad for most people i, I eighty bucks is eighty bucks, maybe it's That's just, a lot that, of money. maybe
0: it's just the housewive's realm. Too, I mean, because I mean, we complained about Charay sell, selling like eighty dollar t shirts or whatever it was. Like, so it's like,
1: yeah, but that's a lot of like name brands do that shit. Sure, like you have to realize you and I are are on like Amazon Walmart budget. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So like <laughs> when we go to a separate website and you got to pay extra shipping, that's not Prime, mm-hmm. girl. Yeah, <laughs> it's a lot. It's a lot.
0: Um, Candy basically tells Cynthia, you know, since you've been gone, I've basically gotten into it with everyone except Kenya. And they show the, like, flash of, like, every... She really has fought every person this season so far except Kenya. It's giving... Um, Sutton, has she fought uh, Maniera? Or I guess not Maniera, but,
1: like... Well, I mean, but she's a friend of, yeah. so...
0: She's fought in every main housewife plus Courtney. Um, and...
1: Which is barely a footnote.
0: There we go. We won't, uh, we won't get into it. Um, that Courtney interview that she did just, just disregard it. Cause I f- think it's complete bullshit. Um, but so I, it was, I was going to say it's giving, um, when they did the flashback though of everyone, I'm like, it's giving Sutton is like candy's the Sutton yeah. this season where like last season on Beverly Hills, like everyone had a feud with Sutton. Yeah. And to me, it's just like that showcases like,
1: well, how uh, vital you are on the show. It It's also like. Clearly, both on Atlanta and on OC, we're witnessing an attempted takedown season right. that's, like, failing on all counts. Like, the public is not buying the candy slander. Yeah. The public is not buying the Kenya slander. The public is not buying the Heather slander on OC. Yeah. So, like... There's stuff in the
0: margins, but I would say for, the, for wide scale, I agree. Like... But it's it's definitely coordinated. Like
1: it's, oh oh, it's coordinated.
0: Yeah, Cynthia is like you know yeah you call me while you were in Portugal about like the bachelorette party about the whole Drew sort of thing. And Candy tells Cynthia about you know Drew's role in Todd's movie and says the topic came up. Basically, so now we understand. Like according to Candy, we get like the actual what happened that night because there was that was the thing I was confused by of like how the conversation started. And she's basically like, we were talking at the movie, and then the topic came up within the group of, well, have you ever kissed a girl? And then that's when Drew denied it, and then that's when Candy was like, no, no, you did. hmm So that, I, like, it's, you know, I don't think it's as much Candy's fault as as people, as I originally thought, because if, like, I think Sheree said, like, Candy brought it up, but it's like, if you brought it up in the context, if you brought up the context of the movie and then it transitioned, that's different. Yeah. In that's... my
1: view. It's one thing to bring it up out of nowhere. It's something else to go, hey, this is a completely related topic, and you're lying about it, so we're going to talk about it.
0: Right. Candy's like, you know, I don't know where my relationship with Drew stands right now. I don't even know if she's going to be in the movie, basically.
1: Well, and apparently it has not gotten better. Yeah. Um, uh, Candy has mentioned that at the reunion, which filmed last week... Um nothing got resolved in fact it is in a worse situation in with the drew.
0: In, in the case with drew yeah yeah so i think that i mean that'll be interesting like it, it means i'm firmly team candy based off of what
1: we're seeing but like you're hanging on to this bullshit this is when this, you're all well i mean i guess you're not technically divorced yet you're going through the divorce with him.
0: I, I, by the time of the reunion. I forgot who said it. It might have been Marlo on Watch It Happens a lot. I think it might have something to do with
1: her mom being a pastor. Probably.
0: I think that uh, makes more sense to me than anything of the Ralphs. Like
1: Drew's family does nothing better than to sweep stuff under a rug. Sure. I mean we we've talked about our theories of <laughs> Drew's family and uh-huh. how the the branches circle back on themselves.
0: So, yeah, I think that that makes more sense to me. But even still, I think I spoiler alert, I didn't really like Drew this episode. And I feel like if this is going to be the continued story, I'm not going to really because I I don't believe Drew. I think Drew is a bit of a liar in this situation and is and I don't even and it's one thing to lie. It's another thing to like just throw things at other people with your lies.
1: You know what I mean? Well, and what I mean, we'll we'll. No, we'll talk about it now. Um, I was really frustrated with how she kept dancing around shit. Mm-hmm. Like, when they were talking about the movie um, later and the role that she's playing in the yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's like, she dances around it. She's like a woman in a relationship with another. You say were, lesbian. You were like, why didn't she, she just say lesbian? Say lesbian. It's not a dirty word. yeah. Like, there is nothing wrong with your character being a lesbian and you embracing that. But also... And even if you don't want to... Even if you're like, well, I don't know if she's a lesbian. I know she's sapphic. Okay, great. Then say a sapphic woman. Or say, hey, like, this you know like or something but like dancing around it
0: and god forbid i agree with marlo on anything but like when she last episode i think it was was just like look we literally have all had our lesbian moments like on this show like literally every single one of us have have, you know it's like why are you like i but like i don't understand unless it is some deep religious like whatever which maybe, but like I just don't... Um, like,
1: it's not that big of a deal. And to me, like... Well, she's so vehement about it. Like, I I would feel more comfortable in her, in her laughing it off and just being done with it. Yeah. You know? And she going, look, that's not what happened, but whatever. I don't care. Like, it's not that big of a deal. Because Newsflash, being queer is not that big of a deal. Right. Also... If you weren't trying to hide some secret queerness, it wouldn't be that big of a deal. Which, you would just say, "Yeah, I kissed her. Who cares?"
0: Which we and we'll get to it down the line. But th- we know from the tra- the mid trailer and all that stuff that there is something seemingly with this basketball player mm-hmm. and this question about it, th- this WNBA player specifically, which makes me think like, is it like undercover? Home- like like. Self, um, whatever, when you are homophobic. Um, um, Internalized homophobia. Is is it like internalized homophobia in a way? Like, it really makes me think that to a certain extent. Yeah. And we'll see how that plays out throughout the season. But,
1: you know. Well, but uh, what doesn't, uh, it's just so frustrating because we literally have video of her making out with that nba the WNBA player do we they showed it in the freaking
0: i thought they showed them like hugging a little bit
1: they were in the dark and it was like feeling on their arms it at least that's what i remember i must miss like they were like like in an alcove kind of like a pass-through hallway thing and like somebody was up against the wall was that from the movie that it could be from the movie but they don't specify in the trailer. Like, you don't... There's not, like, a thing down at the bottom that says, this is from Candy's movie. Sure. Or well, Todd's movie.
0: Yeah. Well, the, both of their movies. But, like, I think... Yeah. Well, I want to see how it plays out. But, I, like, I'm saying, like, I think it's making me believe that at the end of the day that like, I, I didn't think because I hadn't heard anything about those rumors with drew and, and, and her, like I, when it was in the trailers, I was like, this seems like almost kind of manufactured, but now I'm like starting to think like, wait, is there something there? Cause like that's, you know,
1: and, and who knows what the truth is because we can't trust the freaking producers. There
0: we go. Uh, we'll we'll have, we'll uh, close with a moment on that on this episode. Um, but going to something a little bit nicer so we go to Kenya's house and she is with Brooklyn and their ba- and Kenya's babysitting her like baby cousin um Kahari um and so like it's and Kenya's enjoying it because it like gives you know an opportunity to like sort of like test the waters in terms of having another kid and sort of like right. how that would look and this was a really sweet scene like oh, i yeah. i said it all season the, the the Kenya Brooklyn scenes are like my favorite like just adorable, moment. There was that fun, that cute video where like Brooklyn looks upset or whatever about how cute the baby is, and she's like, "But I'm cute." Like, like that sort of like jealousy
1: of like, yeah. Which it is. It, it was really sweet. I think the reason that these hit so hard is because Kenya has been fighting these girls so hard all season. Yeah, and this is the moments when we really get to see her light mm-hmm. and happy especially without Mark in the picture anymore. Right. Like, just getting to see her in her natural state.
0: Yeah, and I think, like, these are, this is, like you said, it's her natural state. I think it softens Kenya in many ways that I think has always been necessary to her character. I don't think we always get the full scale of Kenya's character. Right. Um, in that regard, which, which again, not to, to only briefly touch on it, when you see people like fucking Courtney going on interviews being like, or whatever that podcast she was on, being like, well, Kenya's mean to staff. Kenya uh, was yelled at this lighting tech, or Kenya did this, and Kenya's a mean girl. It's like... I just don't believe that. I don't believe that. One, one, I saw a great tweet, which which was like, the fact that Courtney's saying this, do you think we wouldn't have heard this from Nini or Phaedra over the years, Mm -hmm. like, in interviews? Come on.
1: Also, Kenya is notoriously the sweetest housewife to meet. Like according to fans
0: according to fans and also from other housewives too they've been like off when cameras are down yeah kenya is so giving and is very sweet like i know eva's like talked about it like so like yeah i don't buy that i i personally don't i also think
1: far be it from the media to portray a black woman as having a soft side
0: there's that yeah.
1: I mean, because can we talk about the misogynoir noir of it all, like about how black women have to be hard and on all the time? Yeah. Like they what? They're not allowed to have soft, caring, loving sides? They have to just like perform for the cameras now? Right. Like that it no, it's giving menstrual. It's not it's not cute. No.
0: Um they they so Kenya and Brooklyn are in like the confessional together and Brooklyn gets asked uh if she wants a brother or a sister and she says both. And that um, she, I thought it was interesting. She says one, my age. So one that's four. And to me, if I'm Kenya, like, cause Kenya had been talking about being worried about either going through surrogacy or adoption to me, that would open the, like Brooklyn saying that would open the idea of adoption to me even more because if she's saying, I want someone my exact age, that to me should tell you like, maybe I could go through this process this way. And, make my child happy because kenya said like i'm doing like a lot of the i mean kenya wants to be a mother but like doing this for brooklyn of having a sibling having someone to sort of you know
1: well and she talked about in confessional about how you know the the point is is that i'm here for for brooklyn and for this other child that's coming into my life it's not about me and what i want and the experience I want to have, it's about making sure that I can be the best mother I can be. Right. And that involves making sure that she's around. Yeah. Which may mean that you don't you don't have the ability to have this pregnancy on your own. Yeah. Which is okay. It's a
0: completely it does, and valid. It does, and does it doesn't make you any less of a mother. Right. It doesn't you know make I mean?
1: you any less of a mother. I also just really giggled a lot at um, Brooklyn telling her... And we're going to have bunk beds, and you just put a little glue on it, and <laughs> yeah. you just stack them, and just and you, you put them together. <laughs> I just It made me laugh so hard. It was
0: great. Um, we go to Drew's house, and she's organizing her closet with her assistant and her stylist. Um, the, the producer in the confessional asked Drew if she asked Ralph what happened in Vegas, <laughs> and she's just like, ah. uh Yeah, he just said he was working.
1: Yeah, she's like, well, I can't ask him what he did in Vegas. Bitch, yes, the fuck you can. Yeah, you can. You could say, okay, so where
0: were you at this hour? And then you better believe where my did you iPhone
1: would have been on the entire time. And
0: you went dinner to where that night? Hey, can you pull up that receipt? Um, can, like literally, I would be doing that. And Ralph has earned that.
1: Like I would have my eye on the bank statement. Oh, oh, how's that uh, fish for two at the the Rockfish? Mm-hmm. Uh huh. Uh huh.
0: Yeah, you oh, just oh. hungry.
1: Oh, oh, you just hungry. Oh okay. Oh, so you took you took four of your buddies out. Well, only two eat because I seen the credit card receipt. Oh, you like Cosmos now,
0: apparently. <laughs> <laughs> um, no.
1: Well, well, there have been rumors.
0: Um, but but Drew says her confessional, like, you know, anything can you know place doubts in me now, and because I don't feel like we have this like solid foundation. And we were talking that it felt interesting that like now that they are now that they're divorcing now, they're all, but it seemed it like. Throughout the season, strew has been like, "I feel like we're losing things a little bit. I feel like we're not in the best place. This thing's a little shaky, I'm a little nervous about this, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. We seem to get into it a little bit more next episode based off of the preview. Mm-hmm. But with Ralph, it's just like everything's fine. We're better than ever.
1: And he's pulling the Shannon yeah like yeah it's it's, the happiest i've ever been
0: (laughs) it's really yeah we'll we'll get to
1: that i've never been happier yes we argue and i'm afraid to make him angry but it's the happiest i've ever been
0: (laughs) (laughs) it's like well your tone says otherwise um but no it's like and part of it is like like because drew has talked about like well i'm in marriage counseling but he hasn't so it's like, I don't know if that's just
1: delusion on his part or if it's like. I know we've mentioned this before, but you cannot go to marriage counseling by yourself. You cannot counsel a marriage when you've only got half of the marriage. That's yeah. marriage counseling mm-hmm. or j counseling. Isn't that marriage, like there's got to be both the marriage and the itch. Yeah. Drew and Ralph
0: were discussing the Portugal trip and what Candy had said. And Ralph even says, like, I don't even understand why it's such a big deal. So to me, I'm like, okay, so it's not about Ralph. It can't be right. It can't be that you would cheat. That you don't wanted to make it seem like you were cheating on Ralph, right? Um, Drew's basically like, well, the timing of the conversation with me being in the movie, it just felt a little forced. So she's again pushing this idea that Candy was doing this nefariously to promote the movie, as if as if just you talking about it on Atlanta wouldn't promote it. Yeah, I, I don't. Again, Drew doesn't make any fucking sense with this. Yeah, and that's where I'm like, I can't get behind
1: you. I, I honestly think it's she kissed her and felt a little tingle in in the bits, which is fine and normal. And then like she feels like she can't have that come out because then she can't hold Ralph accountable for his philandering. Right. Maybe and, that
0: maybe that's the closest thing if it's about the marriage. Like
1: that she Like doesn't it has want, to be.
0: Like she doesn't want to lose that leverage.
1: But also like Ermagerd, Erma <laughs> Whatever.
0: <laughs> that's a lot. I'm sorry. I, uh,
1: episode title?
0: Ermagerd, <laughs> Irma that's, that's great. Um, Drew's like, I hope Candy lying on me does not affect our ability to work together. Just her saying that. Um, if she wants to take the role away, that's on her. I'm like, okay. Uh, Drew talks then about, like, sneaky Marlo, as she puts it sending the video to LaToya and filming her. She goes, like, well, that's criminal. Actually, that's illegal.
1: <laughs> hey, criminal and illegal are the same thing.
0: Yeah, same thing. Um, which, again, but you were, like, okay, but if the producers told you guys to film, then, like, why do we do it? Like, what do you mean it's illegal? Like, what do you mean, like... What do you mean? <laughs> like, come on. What What do you mean? What do you mean? <laughs> what, you,
1: what? Why are you shaking? What do you mean? <laughs> what do you mean? Um, I love you, J-Law. Uh,
0: Ralph asked how uh, Courtney was on the trip. <laughs> how, how was my cousin? And Drew goes, Cousin Courtney, actually, I'm just going to call her Courtney. And I was like, Oh, good on you. Good on Drew for this. Being like, nah. And then Drew basically thinks that Courtney should have stood up to Marlo more when she was bringing up Ralph's name, which as much as I'm like, okay, but like, Again, what was Marlo saying about Ralph? Like, that he worked in technology? Mm-hmm. Like, but, like, to me, that's not the issue I should have with Courtney. Like, that like that, that may be your excuse as to why you're telling your husband, like, I don't fuck with your cousin right now. But, like, let's be real. You, know, you don't fuck with her because she's a terrible person. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and Drew goes, because you, like, you can't always trust all your family. And then just like,
1: see, just, I think that it's because she knows this divorce is coming down the pipeline and she doesn't want to get it out there. Like with like she knows that people know that they're related, but she doesn't want the phrase cousin Courtney to be how Courtney is known in case Courtney is still on the cast next season. Because she's like,
0: let's be clear. I, I we like this connection is thin as our marriage right now.
1: There are literally two marriages you have to go through to get between you and me. Yeah. And one of them's about to dissolve. So, like, we're not doing this.
0: Right. We see Marlo at her place going over her schedule with Ty, her assistant. Um, Marlo's talking about, like, you know, with the Scottly stuff being like, you know, I might need to take Scotty to church. He's, he's in a partying too much. <laughs> and then she goes, I mean, he's still young, too, and has that Jamaican blood in him. And I was like, y- he's young? Mm. He's he's got
1: like gray like like significant grays. Like I've got grays. I I consider myself young. I feel old, but I consider myself young. Um, uh, our 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 lovely producer Sorg is um young, but he like he's pretty much salt and pepper. <laughs> More salt than pepper. Um, and it's not,
0: and it, I'm just like young like again it's young for marlo but like that doesn't mean young but marlo's
1: like 50
0: well i meant more in the sense of like marlo's type
1: yeah that's that's true because she usually has she usually goes for guys that have one walker leg in the in the gray
0: as bryn uh, uh, as bryn put on watch what happens live anywhere from 29 to still breathing
1: <laughs> and she will negotiate on the still breathing
0: yeah um, Marlo then makes a comment of like, you know, I just don't know if I feel comfortable because he's, he's like, oh, well, Marlo's like, he's got his restaurant and it's more like loungy and stuff like that. So it leads to, you know, that you in that party vibe. And she goes, I don't know if I feel comfortable with my husband doing that every night. And Ty's like, did you just call him your husband?
1: And you were like. Whatever. That's a. God, we are just defending Marlo this episode. <laughs> Look, even a broken clock is right twice a day. Like I just.
0: Yeah, it's like, she's clearly just talking about, like, want because, you know, yes, Marlo should want to settle down at some at some point, like, you know. Um,
1: she needs to settle down on a lot of different <laughs> things other than just men. There you go. Like, the men can take a back seat for a moment. She needs to settle down the attitude. Yeah. And the lion.
0: But she does talk about, like, having, you know, having a man in the house with Michael and William would be a big move that she would need to sort of, like. See, she's like, I want to see Scotty around his kids and sort of that vibe before I introduce a, a man into Michael Williams' life.
1: Sure, but also like going, well, I get to be introduced to his kids and see him around
0: them sure, before fair.
1: I allow him to see my kids and sure. be around them. It's like, may maybe we should do this all at once.
0: Yeah, the group date. Well, his kids are like like young, young. Like that's that's fine. Yeah. I yeah I I do agree. There's like kind of a double standard in that regard. But
1: that's honestly at that point it would be more of a reason to see how he bonds with your nephews. Well, because
0: there's I think it's a double standard because there's always that expectation on men that like because I think even Marlon said like having a male figure in their lives like like you kind of like there's the expectation that you kind of have to be like a second father or like a like. Right, guiding thing as if a woman can't like.
1: Well, I mean, gotta. but let's be clear: if she liked Scottly and he just the only wrong thing with him was he didn't vibe with the kids, she's gotten rid of the kids before when they were <laughs> inconvenient. So, like, I I don't put it past her to just drop them off at a fire station. Wow. <laughs> Oh boy okay so we go to candy studio <laughs> well i had to make up for us agreeing with Barlow earlier There's, yeah there was too much gotta yeah, balance the scales i agree
0: um Sheree comes over to visit candy uh candy talks that she feels like she's in a good place with Sheree after they hashed out their issues and stuff like that Sheree has new boobs uh and got them from kenya and candy's doctor which we were like so you i and I, I know it's not the same thing but it's like so you're holistic for everything else but you cuz you don't want to go under the knife for your fibroids. But
1: you Well, need. I mean she's clearly shaken the fear of the knife by the time she filmed the confessionals. Well,
0: yeah. Uh, uh. Um but well
1: and she Well, maybe it's not the knife, maybe it's just the the needle.
0: Yeah. She said that her her implant basically like capsulated, so it was like hard. Right. So that's why they And I get that. So it's
1: yeah. it's like, you know. Well, and I can understand like I'm trepidatious about like the the silicone implants anyway
0: mm, when the, with know, all those stories with all about those stories
1: like michelle visage has had issues with hers and had them taken out like the fact that they were tossing it around uh, tamra's old one <laughs> on watch what happens live <laughs> just gently and it like ripped open just run wrong nail and and just... like honestly like so like I don't put it past Martel to be a little rough on the titties. Then like the way Sheree puts it, the <laughs> way Sheree puts it, like I, I don't like it's dangerous. Like yeah. you can't just be putting those in the hands of
0: anybody. Right. Uh, Sheree asked Candy how about her and drew and how they're doing. And Candy's like, you know, at the end of the, at the bolo party, like, you know, was it a passionate kiss? No, but it was still a kiss. Like, I'm not saying that you guys like fell in love with each other or whatever. But then Candy's like, now you got Kenya, you got Marlo, you got me saying it. And then you say, I swear on my kids. And I'm like, please don't say that. Yeah. Like, like, I, I agree. It's like, you don't need to double, triple down like this. Like,
1: if you look up integrity in the, in the fucking dictionary and Candy's picture is there. Like, don't, don't lie on her like that. Right. Like, don't, don't try to like it. I know how heated she gets about being called a liar but like when you have paragons of like honesty like that cuz she tells the truth when it's inconvenient for her too by the way sure and so it's just like don't don't do that to somebody don't yeah. i I can't Uh, No, it it just doesn't sit right with me.
0: Uh, So Sheree then decides to carry the bone from uh, her conversation with Drew in Portugal and tells Candy that Drew basically said that you were lying, that maybe you're producing. And Candy goes, I'm producing? In that Candy (laughs) voice of like... So good. Candy goes, "She's lost her fucking mind." <laughs> and Sheree goes, "Yeah." <laughs> uh yeah. I love Sheree just being like, "Yeah, Drew's crazy." Like <laughs> which is what I said at the time. I'm like, "Drew, like you're confiding in her as if like she like believes anything you're saying."
1: As well, but Candy's doing the same shit. It's like you realize that this is a a fox in the hen house, yeah. right? Sheree is up in here trying to trying to split y'all apart when they've got the coalition over there like what are, what are you doing yeah
0: and Candy's like it is okay you know it's okay if she's not in the movie to be honest with you like at the end of the day charade tells Candy that Drew says that she doesn't really care whether she's in it or not either which is true that's what you know, Drew said and Candy's pissed being like so she doesn't even give a shit if she's in this movie so what the fuck like, yeah I'm pissed <laughs> yeah he,
1: I, I literally if I were Candy I would have picked up my phone right there and called Drew yeah like, hey, this is not working out. Um, we're going to be finding another star for the movie. And well, then just be done.
0: Well, what she should have done, and I really, because Sheree jokes about it, but Candy goes, we have other friends who are actresses. And Sheree goes, so is Ken You going to get the part? <laughs> and I'm like, but that actually is a good idea.
1: Yes, but also you, you got to get the woman that, That Todd accidentally gave her part to Moneta. Yeah, we gotta find her her another spot. Yeah, well, she may not need to be in that role because we don't know her acting prowess, right? We don't know if she can anchor a movie, but like you, you gotta at least find her another spot because you gave her a spot to Moneta,
0: right? Um, Candy also then said that she's invited Latoya to the Peach So Soul, so that'll be good um candies we go to candies Pete social that's at the selfie museum which I didn't know was a thing um but I mean it's really it's a well put together party it looks really fun
1: we actually went um when I was in Austin for my besties bachelorette party Mm. um we went to a similar place it's just a, a bunch of vignettes that are put together for taking pictures, it's yeah. like little like little sound stages almost that are set up and decorated for selfies. You literally go in, you pay like an entrance fee, and you've got all like there were like thrones and like walls of roses and neon signs yeah, and like yeah. all these really cool things um i mean it's so it's a similar place. this was the first one in Atlanta, and then they've spread out from there. The one we went to in Austin was part of this. Which is what, when we were watching it, I was like, is that the, no, we went when we were in Austin, not <laughs> when we were in Atlanta. Sorry, different place. Uh,
0: d- uh, guests started arriving and Don Juan telling Sanya, this ain't Mommy Nation, this is Mommy and Daddy Nation. <laughs>
1: <laughs> this is how you become a Mommy
0: Nation. There you go. Uh, whoever the, like, because they had like a, a nudish model who had like body paint and stuff like that. And then the guy who had like the, the skin colored, like, uh,
1: th- and he. Briefs. Brief- but uh, Filling uh, them out.
0: Yeah, I saw you see a lot in the uh-huh. outline.
1: It was you could tell his religion. <laughs> you could see with his heartbeat. Mm-hmm. It was something.
0: Yeah. Candy talked about how you know, she thinks she and she this is really true. She was saying a professional like, you know, I'm a real sex positive pioneer that it used to be taboo uh for black women to talk about having a sex toy and that vibe and I kind of made it cool, which I do think is true. Like I think like, you know, she really Made that her brand and market, and like, yeah, she goes, I am responsible for hundreds of thousands of orgasms across
1: America. I am very pleased to say so. I'm sure all those people are pleased as well. There you
0: go. Marlo, Marlo Rise, Marlo talks that she's proud of candy turning being a freak into a bag.
1: Uh, yeah, um, I. It just, it doesn't jive with all of the mud you've been singing at her all season. Yeah. But okay, sure, sure Marlo.
0: Uh, but Candy and Marlo are being, like, nicey-nice to each other. But, like, Candy says, they're professional. Like, I can be cordial with Marlo, but I'm good when it comes to a friendship. Like, yeah. you know, that's not happening. Um, Candy then shows them the peach buzz, the little peach-shaped uh, vibrator. <laughs> that basically says it, like, vibrates your whole jaw. Yeah. <laughs> If you and like if they're hitting it from the back, like it's yeah.
1: There's a lot of um X-rated descriptors here, and I was like, "Girl, mm-hmm. we are still on Bravo, ma'am." The, there was
0: this funny moment where the producer asked Marlo and her confessional if her and Scottly have had sex yet, and she goes, "No, we're virgins." And then it does like the angelic, uh, and then it cuts back, and the producer goes, "You sure?" And she's like, "Yes, I'm sure." And then the producer goes, "What about hand stuff?" And then the and then Mario's like, ew, that's gross. That's Candy's lane. I won't do. I don't do that. <laughs> it's just hand stuff. Like, it's not that scandalous. No. Um, they do a demonstration on how to do the strap that uh, they brought to Cynthia's bolo party. The one that Cynthia's in, like, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> like freaking out about. They're like, no, this is how you do it. <laughs> Um, and then, uh, oh, we see, um, guest appearance from T.S. Madison.
1: Yes, girl. And Who, then they, they like tease, like give her the peach vibrator and have her hold, hold the peach. And I'm like, girl, I would live. She would if, be great. She would be a great housewife specifically on Atlanta, but she could vibe with any of the casts. Bravo, give her a contract.
0: Yeah. Um, Cynthia arrives to the party. And I would
1: also love to see a drag queen on, as a housewife. Trixie Mattel would be great on Beverly Hills. Mm-hmm. Um, like, cause she's a ha- quote unquote housewife. She's got David now and they've got she not their been businesses. On, how has she
0: not been on an episode of Vanderpump when she's friends with Lisa? Well,
1: and yeah, like get her on Bravo. Yeah. Get her on Bravo somewhere. She is TV gold
0: um Cynthia arrives and we get to hear about sort of how her and Kenya have like rekindled their friendship that they kind of bro- broke off after the first um ultimate girls trip um which was <laughs> which was a lot but i always here's the thing i always felt like it was so it, it was so weird that they broke off their friendship it was like a tiff that yeah, it didn't but feel it that was, serious but, but it was
1: happening when all of the stuff with her mom was going down and her and Mike were like not yeah. going through great stuff so like the fact that she was going through all of that and Kenya, it it felt like Kenya was abandoning her, even though she wasn't, yeah. right? Like, you can plainly see that that's not what was happening. But when you're in your emotions and you're going through, like, some rough shit.
0: And I think Kenya was like, you know, it feels like you're in your feelings the whole this whole trip. But it's like, at a certain point, it's like, okay, if I can recognize that you're in your feelings, then maybe I need to approach you differently. Yeah. Um, but Kenya says they reconnected at Teresa's wedding. Um, Cynthia's like, well, Kenya came up to me and asked me about how my mother was doing because she had been diagnosed with breast cancer and stuff like that. So that's how we kind of sort of got back on the same page. And Kenya's like, now that I know what she was going through with her divorce too and, and all that stuff, I'm never going to not be there for her. So I'm glad they're like, cause I was like, it, it, as soon as like the breakup happened, I'm like, this is seems, an- they they gotta get back. There's no way Yeah. They, there's not.
1: Well, I think part of it also was Cynthia was not ready to talk about any of that stuff on camera. Right. And girl's trip doesn't really give you any downtime. Yeah. So you she couldn't exactly pull Kenyon's aside and go, look, I really need you next to me this whole trip because this is going on. This is going on. Plus, like, she didn't know if her and Mike were breaking up yet. Like, they were still kind of in that. Iffy phase. Iffy phase during girl's trip. So, like. I get it. I get why Kenya felt, or not Kenya. I get why Cynthia felt like Kenya abandoned her. But I also am like, look, girl, that's yeah. not what happened.
0: Um, Drew and Ralph then arrive. And I love Cynthia me, as Drew's hugging everyone. Cynthia goes, we were just talking about you. <laughs> That was that was good. I was like, I miss you, Cynthia. Um, Marlo and Ralph then talk at the bar. So this is where they're sort of talking about everything. But before they do, Marlo, oh, this was such bullshit. Marlo's like, so Scotty was supposed to come tonight, but apparently I can't believe it. On the way uh here, there was a woman who got into a car accident, and she he like helped her like out of her car and stuff like that. And look at these photos of his like scratches, and she shows the photos, and I'm like That's some bullshit. I'm sorry.
1: So the photos looked like you had rubbed them up against like a rough surface. Like he did like
0: light yard work.
1: Right. Um, And so I was like, this looks sus. So I looked it up. The peach party happened (laughs) on December 16th, 2022. This was crazy on your part. (laughs) Right? So the peach party happened December 16th, 2022. So I looked in Atlanta for major... Car wrecks, where people had to be dragged out of their car. And also, this is someone who has been on reality television before. So if he was involved in a rescue, his name would have been in the article. Nothing. (laughs) There were two major accidents. One of them was a police chase, so it wasn't that one. And the other one was a multi-car pileup, so it wasn't that one because that's not what he described also, if you had sent photos of all of this happening, why, did why would send you send photos se- of the wreck? Why didn't you send
0: photos of the wreck? Like, why are you just sending photos of your hands that already look scabbed over? Like, like the, the little, like, marks are already scabbed. How does that make sense? It doesn't. And Marlo is just like, I'm like, all right, Superman. And I'm like, okay, th- I see what this is. But Marlo starts with Ralph and goes, cheers to, and does a cheers and goes cheers to knowing whenever we address someone with someone, the facts. And I'm like, Oh, but I think I can't believe I'm on Marlo's side with this fight with Ralph, but I, I am. She's like, there's three sides to every story at the end of the day. And Ralph basically says, told tells, you know, what drew told him that you were talking about me throughout the trip or whatever. And Marlo tells exactly what he, she said about him, which was that we both work in technology. When drew was coming at me about if you have a job or whatever.
1: And Marlo. To er, be fair, I don't trust that we have gotten all of the comments you that said Marlo that, said. You
0: said that last time. But, like, yeah. And Marlo goes, Was that that bad? And Ralph goes, I just heard it was a lot of just two days straight, straight, just talking about me.
1: Which, again. Which might have been an overstatement, but also, like, but also if it was th- just that comment. How did Drew get to two days of constant?
0: Well, but that's the thing. I feel like Drew's a liar.
1: Like, I, well, I do- mean, sure, she might be, but like, usually she exaggerates. That would have been a complete fabrication. And that's like not in line with what Drew usually does. Sure. So, like, I want to know what was not kept what footage we have not seen that would push it more in the direction of a constant barrage. Right. You know what I mean? I think it's two
0: sides of the same coin. I don't know if I fully believe that Marlowe said anything more than that because Drew is lying about this candy stuff and all that, but also because of the producer shenanigans all season, I can't fully trust that that was the only thing that Marlo said.
1: Specifically because the producer shenanigans have always and forever been to uphold Marlo's version of what happened. Right.
0: And then Marlo tells Ralph, this was like, I was like, wow. Marlo tells Ralph, I'm going to respect you just because I like you and I respect you. And I know you're dealing with a whole lot and don't know what you're going to get when you wake up in the morning personality wise. I was like, wow. But Ralph doesn't really say anything. Like Ralph isn't like, okay, like we're not going to do that. Like don't talk about my wife. Like he kind of just like rolls with it. Which, if I was, I mean, they're not together anymore, but if I was you, I'd be like, what the
1: fuck? Like, just, yeah. you just sat there and let her say that? I mean, even if they're not together, that, that would be another thing that would be brought up in the divorce proceedings. He didn't stand up for me. Yeah. Not only did he betray my trust in Tampa and probably Vegas, but he betrayed my trust within our circle of friends because he didn't stand up for me. Sure.
0: Um, Latoya then arrives and Marlo's like, let's go find the girls, (laughs) which I I loved. Um, Latoya is like, says hi to Candy, but then whispers her, Candy, I'm upset with you. And Candy's like, why? (laughs) It's so,
1: uh, I can't.
0: Uh, she's like, I just feel like I wasn't there to defend myself in Portugal or whatever. So then Latoya, Drew and Candy then go to the side to talk, um, in this like pink room. Uh, and Latoya's like, well then where's Marlo? Cause she sent me all this stuff. Let's, you know, get Marlo. Uh. (laughs) So someone, Don Juan goes to get her. Latoya says that her and Drew's relationship started really bipolar. And Candy or professional goes, I would agree. Latoya, your relationship with Drew is definitely bipolar. Or bi. Either way, it works. Which I'm like, that is kind of a shady comment. But like, you know. Um, Marlo comes in and she's like. You guys want to buzz me cuz she's got the bu- the peach buzz and then starts like twerking in like Latoya and Drew's direction Drew that's look on her face is like excuse me <laughs> like
1: Anything that borders on lesbianism, yeah. except for this movie, apparently. Apparently,
0: Marlo says that she sent the videos to Latoya to see, so she could see what Drew was saying about her, basically. And then Drew's, uh, they, they were like, what, Latoya's like, yeah, I was upset, and cause you know about what you know Drew saying that I'm you know deceitful or whatever. And Drew's like, because the videos were edited, and Marlo goes, edited? They were not edited. Like, like, please, like, like. Which I agree. I'm like, Drew, what do you mean by that?
1: She just means that she didn't send the whole conversation. But she like, sent a clip.
0: But we, we see the clip of, of Drew saying, you know, of Marlo saying, Latoya said this, though, and, and Drew going, but Latoya lies all the time. That's not editing. Like, that's, like, that's the words out of your mouth.
1: Sure. I, I mean, they've said it on Drag Race for years. Uh, they can't put words in your mouth.
0: Blame it on the edit. No, <laughs> and I did love Marlo. You don't want it. said it, bitch. <laughs> and Marlo leaving and and just screams in Drew's face. And scene, which I'm like, that was good. Good yeah. callback. God, I like Marlo this episode. That's crazy. Um, Marlo's, like interconfessional. Drew is the one over here editing her face, editing her body on photos. Why does Drew look, look look like she's 22 on Instagram, but a whole jump scare in person? <laughs>
1: Now, that's a stretch. It is a little bit. It's no, the, she's definitely not a jump scare in person. Um, that uh, that first day, Sheree confessional was a jump scare.
0: Yeah. Can I also say, uh, and we'll talk about it with O.C. as well. The, the, also, the Housewives getting their feelings this week online. And like Drew oh posting God. that whole thing upset that Marlo said something about that she needed lipo. And like how offensive. How, how it must speak for all women who are. And I'm like,
1: can we? Can we get off our high horse? I think there's a lot of tension in the housewives world right now with all the Bethany of everything yeah. going on. We'll talk about that later, yeah. but like, I think we should. I almost don't want to
0: give her the energy, but we, ca- yeah, well, yeah, we will, because um, eh. um, Candy goes. This <laughs> lady, Candy goes. Look. Kiss lips, kiss pussy, kiss a dick, kiss whatever you want to kiss, but you're not going to sit up here acting like I'm making lies up about y'all. <laughs> mm-hmm. And Candy basically tells Drew what Sheree said about, like, do you saying that I was producing and stuff like that? And, Can, and Drew goes, when you speak, the narrative does go far, Candy Burris. And, and Candy's like, come on, that's bullshit. And Latoya, this, I didn't understand Latoya's point here. Latoya, because Latoya is at this point maintaining she didn't kiss right? Mm -hmm. Even though she said differently at the reunion. She's maintaining here she didn't kiss Drew, but then she's telling Drew, Drew, do you feel Candy's a genuine person? And Drew's like, yeah, I do. And then Latoya goes, so when she says she saw us kiss, why don't you believe that? And I'm like, what? What do you mean? Why don't you... You don't. You want Drew to believe you kissed, even though you're saying you no. Didn't?
1: She's saying that you should believe that that is what Candy thinks she saw. I guess. Even though we know that that's not what happened, we should believe that she's not making things up from her vantage point. That's what it looked like, and that is what she is saying.
0: I guess. But it's just it's just so weird. Like it's like either you did it or you didn't. And if there's a gray area, then like what's the why are we
1: if there is any gray area, why are we arguing? You know what I mean like if the well, but I think the point of contention is for at least for candy, and I think that latoya was that's what Latoya was getting at is why are you calling her a liar Sure, Candy has no reason to lie about this, so instead of calling her a liar, just say, "Hey, that's not what happened. I don't know what you think you saw right, but that's not that's not what happened. And considering it was my lips involved or not, like, I I think I have more of a say as to whether that happened or not.
0: Yeah, Drew goes, I think she was just fantasizing me and Candy. And Candy's like, nah, come on. And Candy's like, at the end of the day, like, Drew is so obstinate about this. Candy's like, let's agree to disagree. Like, like, because I'm not going to budge and say that I am lying in this moment. That's not going to happen because I'm not. But also, if you're not going to give Literally an instru, and you're gonna swear on your kids and and all this stuff. Like at this point, I literally have to just be like, whatever. Yeah. Like, and so, and so then we end the episode. <sighs> okay, I don't get the point of this. We end the episode with the, Drew's confessional, right? And the producer's asking Drew why Candy and Latoya were claiming that Drew kissed her. And Drew goes, I forgot what well, she says, but she brings up the after show from season 13, which was the the season where it happened. Can't, and we see clips from that after after show, right? Candy brings up the kiss, and Latoya initially denies it. She's like, no, it didn't. Like, like, you know, mm-hmm. be, like, but it's very, like, you know, sort of like, oh, my God, denying it. You know, putting putting on vibes, in my view. But then Drew goes, it came from Candy saying it. Latoya and I weren't friends, and then so then Latoya ran with it to have something cute to say at the reunion. Basically being like, it never happened. Candy said it on the after show. So then, because Latoya hated me, she was like, "I'm gonna now say it is true, to hurt Drew." Or it's not like, and then we show the, cl- and then they show the clip and they slow it down. The producer slow it down of Candy because Latoya just keeps actively deny, like like v- vehemently denying, just like Drew right now is vehemently denying. And Candy says, "Quote, if I misjudge the moment, I accept that and I am wrong." But she's saying, they play it as if it's like a gotcha.
1: Right. Fucking producers.
0: What is, how is that a gotcha? It's not. Like, if Latoya is, like, basically, like, vehemently, you know, being like, no, 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 blah, blah, blah. Again, it's Candy just basic. basically, it's, it's essentially Candy saying, agree to disagree.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, it's Candy, I mean, like, essentially saying, look, this is what I saw. I mean if that's not what happened then like it was dark like I could accept that maybe something happened that is not how I saw it right like I misjudged what I was seeing like I could accept but that you can, but you can't tell me that what I saw is not what I saw but
0: as if like as if like when you're faced with that obstinance from somebody that you that an instinctual reaction wouldn't be like okay whatever like as if that's not something that if as if that is like would be like held up in like a court of law or something. You know right. what I mean? Like it's stupid. It, and it, to me, it's just like God. The producers really fucking hate Candy and Kenya this season, and it's like so fucking obvious. Clearly, where it's just like I don't understand what that proves. And Candy was like here <laughs> after the episode was like here's Latoya on my speak on it after the uh, after that episode aired on season thirteen and all that stuff. And where Latoya is saying it here, etc. So don't make it seem like you know. Yeah, like let like let's be real about this thing. Um, So that's frustrating, but that was Atlanta for this week. Decent overall, Um, but again, big structural issues that we have to deal with. Oh yeah, Um, we're going to take a quick commercial break, and then when we come back, we're talking the newest episodes of Real Housewives of New York City. Don't go anywhere.
1: Welcome back to A Gay and is Envy. Let's go back, back, back again to the Big Apple to catch up with our lovely Real Housewives of New York City.
0: Yeah, that'll make sense
1: later. <laughs> we'll, we'll I get, think it's obvious. It, it was very
0: obvious to us, but we'll, uh, we'll, um, we'll get to that. Um, we still are at the Hamptons house as we start the episode, and Aaron and Bryn are waking up together. <laughs> uh, Bryn's like, so I slept with Aaron because I didn't have a room. Um, But we see a flashback to the night before, and she was trying to sleep in the crib that was in, I think, Jussel's room or whatever. And then Sai goes, Sai <laughs> makes a joke like, oh, your mommy's baby. And then Bryn goes, where's daddy?
1: <laughs> of course. She, she kind of slept on the couch. Yeah. There were comfortable couches. Also, there are giant beds in the other room. I
0: think Bryn was perfectly fine sleeping with Aaron <laughs> at the end of the day. I mean, like, just in terms of Brin's vibe, that makes sense. Um, they have a fun moment where Aaron goes, "I'm gonna make coffee," and Brin goes, "Okay, I need a plan B." <laughs> like, Aaron's like, "Who'd you sleep with last night?" <laughs> um, Cy... I mean,
1: there's only one daddy in the house, and her name is Jenna.
0: Yeah, that's true. Si um, goes into the kitchen, and and she's like, "So Aaron and I hear, are, you know, you said that you were gonna be cooking," and Aaron's like, "Yeah, you want, yeah, you want me to start now?" And Sai in her confessional. Did I want you to start cooking? Yeah, like an hour ago. So it's ready now. <laughs> <laughs> so, I also came to the conclusion. So there's all this talk about Jessel being very condes- uh, condescending and like sort of um uh judgmental on this trip, which is true. Um my thing is Sai is exactly the same way. She just hides in the confessional. Uh-huh. She just doesn't do it to your face, which is me like at the end well, of the day. I mean, but
1: the difference is, is that Sai is aware that, in the moment, maybe you don't say that, yeah, Jessel just says it and thinks it should be perfectly fine
0: right and and doesn't have the understanding of just like, oh, what I'm saying can be really rude right now, um but yeah, so uh, Jenna is uh helping with the shashushka that uh Aaron's finally getting to make. We've had three episodes talking about this. Um, she's cutting tomatoes in her diamond jewelry, which, like, Brynn points out. And Jenna's like, have you ever heard of the movie Breakfast at Tiffany's? I mean.
1: (laughs) But, like, also, no.
0: No. No. Yeah. Um, Aaron is cooking, like I mentioned, cooking them shashushka, Um, and, which I thought looked good. And, like, you, I was telling, was it on, I can't remember if it was on the podcast or not. Like, you didn't, you had no idea what shashushka was, which I was like, it, I thought it was pretty common.
1: I no, I had no clue. They
0: acted like I mean I don't know. They they made it seem like this was this crazy, unique. thing.
1: um I don't know if you know this, but um I didn't grow up around a lot of Jewish people, so I missed out on a lot of those cultural things. Well,
0: neither did I. but I just watched a lot of Food Network,
1: which is that's fair um i always tuned out the the food network stuff i was very much more into the hgtv
0: uh yeah th- see different i could i can't do i can do hgtv now but like back in the day
1: see i i find hgtv now to be extremely irritating really like old school hgtv like that's where it's at like 90s hgtv that shit was great mm-hmm.
0: is it because all the homes are like the same now
1: Um. No, it's because most of the people that are on there are... Assholes? Uh, assholes. Okay. Raging bigots. I, um, yeah. <laughs> but, like, there was an old show in the 90s called Room to Room. Mm. And it was, like, this um, woman that very much had, like, a Karen um, haircut. But, like, back of in the course. day, that was what everybody had. And she was wearing, like, mom jeans with an elastic waistband. And, and the whole thing is, like super blurry it's giving 3 a.m. infomercial mm-hmm. and then like she has this friend who's like a man and there there's like no romantic attachment they're not married they're just friends you know and like he's like a carpenter and helps out with these like They'll literally go around the house and it's room to room, like different projects and different rooms. And she like does a thing over here with crafting, and then he goes over here and makes a birdhouse, and then she goes over there and does a thing. And then, and it was just so calming. Mm-hmm. It was barefoot Contessa, but for decor. Okay. And I do love it's me those vibes. Yeah. It's um, very much those vibes.
0: Um, Uba brings down her Uba hot. Uh, hot sauces uh, to get them to try it with it. And we find out like some of the background that she kind of created this brand because she would need something that sort of jazz up the food that she was eating when she was modeling. That was like steamed fish and steamed right. vegetables and like there was no flavor to anything. Um, but she started this in like 2021, I want to say, and then it got on Oprah's favorite things. And then like, it kind of really took off after that. So um, they're talking about their plans for Thanksgiving. Um, Aaron saying that, you know, they'll have, they'll be in the Hamptons and stuff like that. Again, talks about, she makes a comment about how like Abe's mom will sometimes like show up unannounced. Cause she's like 10 minutes away and just drop by. And she's like, yeah, it can be annoying. And Bryn goes, I mean, I would love that. I've never had like a real family. And Bryn's like, I would love like an overbearing mother-in-law at the end of the day. So now we're starting to get some of Bryn's background and we get a lot this episode and it's, you know, pretty extensive stuff. Uh, Bryn talks about how she grew up in Indiana with her brother and sister She starts by saying, like, grew up with a brother and sister. Her parents weren't in the picture, but that she was adopted by her mother's mother. So um, Aaron says that she knew some of Brynn's history was rough, but not as bad as, you know, not this bad, basically. And that you can tell Brynn's still really upset over it. Like, she's like, you can pick up that it's kind of an uncomfortable time. She says, like, you know, Thanksgiving's like an uncomfortable time you know family-wise because I don't really have that in many ways and it's, you know, mm-hmm. difficult. Um she says she's thinking of going to London with Gideon who is her third ex-fiancé um who she says right now at that at that little age. Yeah, I know. That she says that right now they're consciously uncoupled and we and we find Girl. That, yeah. I, th- I thought it was interesting. Brin's basically says, their confession, like, had I been married, I would have just been on my third divorce by now. So t- statistically I'm setting myself up for success. Um, and, but yeah, Uba like hinted to this last episode, but I guess, yeah, she's had like multiple, like, and it seems like, she, like ex-fiance's on her end. Like, it seems, it, I get the sense that she gets cold feet and she ends things. Like she kind of has this, like, from the sense that I get, that like there's a commitment issue that she has.
1: So, you mean to tell me that someone with an unstable upbringing, mm. um, and who you know struggled all of her childhood um, with having a stable household would have not only commitment issues but also seek for validation. And men.
0: And may also use humor to deflect mask and deflect. Yeah. But wow. but no, it makes it but it really was like sort of like this whole episode, it was like really illuminating on Bryn's character because it's like Yeah, you know, we you see the funny ha ha moments and it's like we've enjoyed Bryn these last three episodes. You know, rightfully so, but I like to see that the backing as to why this is
1: well, it's And that's something that I've just really enjoyed about this new version of Roni. It's just really, like, they're not wanting to just paint them as characters. They're Mm -hmm. humans. They're deep, broad humans. Like, the, the depth and breadth of their character is real. It's actual people that you know it's you know just because they're rich and live in new york city doesn't mean that they aren't completely relatable
0: right and and aaron's also talking like i don't understand why brit doesn't just get with gideon at the end of the day like he's a nice jewish guy you know (laughs) because of course aaron loves loves well i mean um but like you know that like he see he seems like a good enough guy so that's why i'm like there seems to be like that commitment issue on Bryn's end. Yeah, and Bryn talks about wanting a family of her own and traditions, but just like you know, you know, not pulling the trigger. She says that uh, to Jenna, like, there's like a twenty percent chance I might marry him. I mean, it's increasing, you know,
1: inflation. <laughs> you mean someone without a without having someone in her corner her entire life has uh, self-worth issues and, like, backs out of things because she doesn't think that she deserves the happy home and family that she so desperately wants.
0: Yeah. Hmm. Surprising. <laughs> uh, they pack up to Talk lea- about
1: unusual psychology.
0: <laughs> they they pack up to leave the Hamptons. Aaron's, <laughs> this was great editing. Aaron makes a comment in the kitchen, like, well, Jessel clearly wants to get out of here because she's, like, waiting by the door. And then we go to Jessel's confessional. I cannot wait to get the fuck out of here. <laughs> <laughs> And then Jenna's like, you know, it, it was a new experience as a girl trip. It wasn't terrible. I would give it like what a C.
1: <laughs> well, it's the first one. Like it was, it was bound to be rough.
0: And Sai tells the drivers they're leaving. Do you mind if we stop at provisions? <laughs> <laughs> you know where that is, right? Because Sai's just always Sai talks about it later. It's just like okay, but like I need to be fed. Like that's the only like. Aaron did not feed us enough.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, but it, it's. I think it is partially that and partially just like she's talked about I need food like every three, four hours. Mm-hmm. Okay, I don't mm
0: Um, we then go to Erin, who is on one of her designing jobs uh that she does. Um she's uh the the team that's helping her, she's speaking Spanish too, because they're Spanish speaking. Um, which I like to call a reverse Yolanda Hadid. Uh, <laughs> remember that f- scene on Housewives? Oh where my god! She's just like, okay, you need to speak English <laughs> to to make it in this. Oh like, my
1: god! I completely forgot that shit. Yeah,
0: it's like, oh, what a concept! You as a as a you know respectful person learn another person's language to actually communicate with them properly. You Ironic,
1: know? considering everything that we found out about here.
0: I know. Well. <laughs> I'm just going to uh. leave that be to the side. I'm going to believe her when she says, you know, recurring payments happen and you forget about them. It's fine. Um, uh, we find out that her background, her whole family background has been in real estate. Her dad flipped homes and her mom actually sold um, three Lincoln center, which I was like, wow, that's like yeah, big shit. Um, you know, uh, she, uh, five years ago, she had joined um, Frederick Eklund's uh, real estate team, which is mm-hmm. the, person we always saw with bethany on roni uh when right. she, getting her new place and stuff like that and, and all that stuff so um yeah it was a good little throwback um the and you know the <laughs> to remember brighter times with bethany than right now um, <laughs> Oh boy. um oh boy. she basically realized that you know while she was good at selling real estate this is aaron that while she was good at selling real estate that her passion was really for design though and so she launched her own company called Home Girl, which is basically to design properties this sort of help. as opposed
1: to skinny girl
0: <laughs> it's right there i mean, I mean the the, uh, the dry humor the you know it, it really is a uh-huh i i mean and i'll take her and her even though her donation history aside i'll take her over bethany <laughs> right now any day oh yeah sorry i feel like i'm just saying bethany this whole episode
1: um well, bethany used to be my favorite housewife Barbara oh
0: yeah you loved her
1: um, not so much anymore.
0: You don't really love her uh, TikToks where she's eating crayfish, or whatever. Th- no, like a crazy person. No. Um, we won't get too much into. I guess, we'll talk about it. Let's talk about. We'll talk a little bit about the. Um, so the Bethany led um strike, the reality strike that she's trying to. I uh, l- let me just preface well, it by saying everyone on reality TV should be paid equitably and with getting residuals from streaming and, and protections and all that stuff because they have been fucked over for a long time on those things and they deserve them.
1: We, however, question whether Bethany should be the figurehead of this movement. And
0: whether any of the intention is to actually help people other, uh-huh. other than to get back at Andy Cohen for embarrassing her on Watch What Happens Live. Um, yep. Yeah. The, yeah. We'll just leave it there. Um, we see This scene I really love. So we see then Bryn going to her hairstylist, Nadia, Uh, She says in her confessional There's a lot of hair Not down there Up here (laughs) Uh, Talks about how Like it takes like Three to six hours To basically straighten her hair But we get sort of This method To sort of like Get into her backstory Of being mixed race And um, You know Her You know She talks about how She hasn't had a relaxer On her hair In like eight years But basically had to When she was little Because um, Like she mentioned before She was raised by her grandmother Who's white Um, Her mom is white Her dad's black and so her grandmother raising her didn't really know what to do in terms of the texture of her hair. Mm-hmm. Um, and sort of because, and she talks about particularly with her father out of the picture and the fact that that was her black side necessarily, she feels like she kind of, Bryn feels like she kind of missed out on having that sort of structure of a black community. Right. And, you know, and so I, th- I thought that was incredibly interesting in, in that regard. And she talks about how, it ended up being that her grandmother's friend who was black like was like you need to go to this hair my hairstylist. Yeah. And so she basically would go there every weekend and like that was her sort of first experience around black people and black women in particular and like getting to embrace that side of her which i thought was really sweet and and probably really common like yeah. in terms of like, Well i mean
1: just in the last couple months we've seen this twice on Bravo like we just had on uh, Summer House Martha's Vineyard right. where Amir, Amir grew up with his Lebanese family and didn't really have any connection with his black heritage until recently. Yeah. And so now he's like getting immersed more into black culture. And it seems like Bryn got a little bit more of that early on, but, but it was in the form of spending time in a black beauty shop you know and like the especially in the black community like beauty shops for women and barber shops for men are like centers of culture yeah it is it's like a meeting space it's like it's like a community center it's it's so vital um to the community especially in places where there aren't a a huge population right so when you have very limited space, you you get together. You get everybody together in the same spot. And you just, you get as much community as you can because there's not a lot of it. And I don't expect that there's a lot of a black community in rural Indiana, especially 20, 30 years ago.
0: Yeah, because she talks about also how she would be bullied in school and stuff like that. And that it kind of made her sort of be embarrassed to be black to a certain extent. Right. And kind of fall into her white passing side. Right. Um, but I thought, I thought it was a really important story to share because I think there are a lot of, we don't talk about the fact that there are a lot of mixed race people like Brynn who need, who deserve not just need, but deserve to have those two sides of their culture, right. you know, represented and nurtured in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, I, thought, I thought it was a really great scene. Um, we then go to Uba's house uh, with her apartment in uh, Columbus circle and she's meeting with her friend, Kathleen, who's also her business consultant, um, to talk about Uber Hot and that she basically, because right now she's looking for investors to sort of help with things, but that she talks about being sort of resistant to it in many ways because she's like, I don't like being told what to do mm-hmm. and, and, you know, and that stuff. But then we sort of, this sort of transition to sort of learning more about her upbringing and, and that um, because she talks about a lot of it is probably that to do with her culture that, you know, it's all about community help and it's not really about like you would go and get a loan for something at like, whatever it's like your, your either family or chosen family would lift you up. And Kathleen, her friend is basically like, I mean, you're in a position now where you don't really have those people in, in your, in your surroundings and your circles. And we find out that Uba uh, lost her mom in 2012 and that she's still really emotional about it. Um, and feels really alone in many ways. Um, this, I, any any topic like this always gets me because it's like you know.
1: Oh yeah. And to
0: see that emotion still be so raw for her. Mm-hmm. Uh, A
1: decade later.
0: Yeah, uh, talks about how her mom was also kind of the breadwinner of the family. I'm assuming, like, because she's from Somalia, if if I remember correctly, the mm-hmm. Uba, and so like the like, it it's it's so interesting to think that like what we were talking about before. Remember when uh, we were talking about the whole idea with Marlowe of like you know a man's job versus a woman's job like it's so like seeing other cultures where it's like the where women are not you know held down in that respect and they're not viewed like you could have the wife in the house be the breadwinner and and it's normal and it's not like yeah you know and it's more traditionally thought about
1: um but i mean part of me also like thinks of the fact that she is literally Chanel Ion's cousin and knowing all of the things that Chanel Ion went through. Mm -hmm. And so, like, part of me is like, okay, I'm glad, like, I'm so thankful that you were able to come up in a society that is more matriarchal, that is more celebrating of womanhood and things like that. But I also, like, question, like, whether you experienced any of the similar things that Chanel Ion experienced some of the awful fucked up shit that Chanel Ion experienced um it's extremely triggering so I'm not going to talk about it in detail and I will put flags when we get back to Dubai if it comes up again but like if you don't know Chanel Ion's story go watch Dubai number one it's a fabulous season but number two like it's gut wrenching what she has been through,
0: and I think like you know it, it maybe it was because we I we hadn't really got much of Uba's backstory in like these episodes right. yet. Like she was the one where it's kind of we would see her funny personality and we see sort of like the vibes that she brings, but we don't really
1: know. But Chanel Ion was the same way. She's so aloof and just like yeah um like ethereal and just kind of like floats in a room and like you don't really question that you're like well you're a fairy princess like (laughs) that's the only explanation here yeah like you literally glow like the sun like i don't like you can't you can't question this this is just perfectness right so like when you find out that there's such like pain and heartbreak behind all of that. It's, it's gut wrenching.
0: Oh yeah. Um, Kathleen basically tells her like, well, what would your mom say in this situation? And Uba's basically like, she'd be like, get the money, go like, you know, do it. Yeah. So she's sort of settled in that regard. Um, we go to size house in Brooklyn and she's cooking with her husband, David. Um, Cy talks about how she's been really relating to Bryn lately about one, not having family around. And like the sort of struggles with that and growing up in very similar ways that they kind of bonded about when they were in the Hamptons. Um, so she wants to basically throw so a friend's giving at their house and call it a Brins giving mm-hmm. to sort of uh, give her uh, that. And David's like, yeah, I think that'd be really great. Um, sigh so Facetimes Brenda suggested. <laughs> Bryn, again, the sort of like humor to like sort of like mask things. Bryn goes, what's the best way to avoid dealing with how I feel? And Sai goes, I mean, we could just mask all our feelings with alcohol. And Bryn goes, yes, that's it. (laughs) Uh, They then start talking about Jessel being off on the trip and sort of all the Jessel stuff. And Sai's like, I learned that her vagina is on a drought. And you know what? Maybe that's what's wrong. Um, And they're like, let's ask ask David, uh, Sai's husband. I really like him. I think he, I love the way him and Sai communicate. Like Bryn talks about mm-hmm. it later that like they have such a good, like yin and yang relationship with each other. And he talks about, he says, you know, as a man, I have no idea what it's like to have children, have a child, let alone two, like actually birth a child. So I think you guys should take it easy on her. Cause you only know, you only have so much energy to give basically being like a lot of this is probably doing the either feeling self-conscious or a lot of the, Stuff with you know being postpartum and and all that stuff. And I thought it was so clear headed and yeah. like, you know, and not like he just seems so like healthy in terms of mindset.
1: Yeah. This is what non-toxic masculinity looks like. Yeah. It's like,
0: <laughs> Jesus Christ. It's just with the amount of like bad house husbands we've seen oh, across yeah. housewives. It was just like, oh, you're so refreshing. Like, mm-hmm. like, please. Um,
1: Can't wait to uncover all the skeletons at his closet. Because, oh, God. You know, it's inevitable.
0: I'm sure. But it's like, it, and it wasn't like he was performing either. Like, it wasn't the people who were, it, it's not like the house husband that, like, goes too far and is, like, right. too, trying too hard, too hard to be the nice guy. It just felt normal. Um, Bryn uh, talks, like I said, talked about how rational he is and, and how he always ends up putting things in perspective. Um, we then go to Jessel and Pavit's house as they're with the kids at the apartment. This was the funniest fucking scene I've seen on Housewives in a while. Uh, no. I laughed so fucking hard at this. Um, Jessel talk about how she can't wait for the kids to basically go to preschool, um, and so the, she's like, oh, "We're gonna get them." I wanted to get them into Montessori, and Pavit's wondering if it's the right school for them. And <laughs> Jessel, Jessel, going, I mean, you can tell the caliber of people that go to that school. The open house was very elevated. I mean, they had a charcuterie board and wine. <laughs> and he's like, that's great, but that's for us. Like, right. that's not about the kids. Right. And it's, she's like, it's just, you know, she literally said in her confessional, I mean, it's not just the schooling. You know, it's who they network with. We're talking about your one-year-olds networking. Yeah, like Like, it, it's it, not... It was like, oh, my God, you're so delusional <laughs> right now about this. And he, she's basically like, you know, Pavit will always basically push for the cheapest option. He wants to send them to public school. I'm like, I, you maybe don't need public school, because I get that you're of a certain tax bracket, but, like, like, I get his point. He literally goes, we're paying for them to water plants, sweep the floor, eat lunch, and take a two-hour nap. And Jessica goes, I mean, that's what they're going to do in any school. Yeah, so you, that's... His, that's
1: his point. Yeah. So why pay extra? It's just like... Like, to me, I, I kind of feel like we shouldn't have private schools because if we didn't have private schools and all of the super rich people had to send all their kids to public schools... Then maybe public the public schools, schools would be get, get better. ...would get funded. Yeah. There's um, that. And they would pay the teachers, you know? Um. So, like, you know, maybe if they do send, send their kid to public school, number one they will, you know, learn some humility. Right.
0: But also when you have money, it, like the thing I was thinking when this discussion was happening, I was like, think about it on the back end. Save, put that money that you would have put the difference of the preschool that you would send them to put it into a fucking college fund. Yeah. Like, like, you know, to me, that's way more important. Like a, a nicer college when you get older is way more fucking important to me than a, a nicer preschool. Yeah. Like I don't get it.
1: Like I I feel like if I if we had that kind of money and we were making the same decision, I would send my kids to public school. Yeah. Like they wouldn't have like I wouldn't be buying them like label clothing and stuff like that. Like it would be quality clothing. Right. But I'm not sending them to school in Louis. Yeah. You know, like, I'm not doing that. Like, I'm not teaching our kids to be label whores. Like, I'm not doing that.
0: <laughs> Get Jenna Lyons with those children because they are, <laughs> we already know Jessel has the tendency. So, look,
1: you can wear multiple designers, but not multiple labels.
0: Yes. And Jessel Larry goes, You're such a cheap ass. I'm like, Jesus Christ. She really loves just shitting on profit. <laughs> jessel talks about oh maybe we'll rent like a hampton's house or whatever for the summer like going forward with the kids and Pavet's like i mean do you really want to recreate the trip that you just had with the girls and so they transition to talking about that and jessel says that she was like the sacrificial lamb she's like you know it just started when i said it was cold but i mean everyone said that you know it's, it's like girl you don't get it <laughs> like you really just still don't get it okay and then Pavet goes you're tone of voice sometimes has the potential to turn people the wrong way. You came off the wrong way. Like you always kind of do sometimes. And Jessica goes, pop it. <laughs> You're supposed to be supporting me. <laughs> and then he goes, this was so funny. He goes, yes, but how can I support you when your tone of voice sometimes is, and he's like, what's the word? And then Jessica goes, so you're calling me a bitch. <laughs> and then public goes, I would never say that. Potential tendencies in your tone and jessel goes you just called me a bitch
1: like, what i mean no but also yes <laughs> I was so it was just like i she, did not say that but if that's what you got from that you're not wrong she
0: really is she really is less toxic ramona singer yeah like, like in many ways like there's there's something so amazing about the delusion oh yeah and yeah it's great as we as this is happening, we see Aaron having Jenna over at the house, and she's like, "Oh God, Jenna Line's like apartment is so beautiful." And I have like sticky hands from my kids, like on the ceiling, and she's stuff like also that. like
1: poking at it with the stick end of the broom, and it's like, "Girl, sweep." Get the bristles up there. That'll that'll get it down a lot quicker than the stick you're poking it with.
0: Yeah, I know. So you loved uh, Jenna's titty pillows uh, in her apartment, but they go to Aaron's kitchen. Obsessed. And, they, and Aaron shows her her mom's old mug that's like a nipple mug. But it's not even a mug. It's Jenna's literally, literally like this is for cream though. It's because it's got a little hole on the. Th-
1: <laughs> and then in the confessional, Jenna's like. How was she drinking out of this all these years? <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I
0: guess, didn't she say something about, like, I guess she doesn't have that much experience with breasts like I did? Yeah. <laughs> um, she, Jessel and Jenna had both gotten Aaron. Uh, Jenna gives the gift that both her and Jessel got for Aaron for hosting the trip. And it was like a $1,000 cashmere sweater, which I'm like, Okay, (laughs) rich people stuff. Uh
1: Yeah, they they drop thousand dollars like we drop a dollar.
0: Aaron's like, I'll open it later, and Jenna goes that way. If you don't like it, we we don't have to have a repeat performance of like when Jessel was so mad about her that was the
1: that was the equivalent of sending somebody a five dollar Starbucks card.
0: Yeah, there you go. Um, Jessel, Jess, we go back to Jessel and Povit, and Jessel's like, I told Jenna like if she has an issue, just come to me next time. You don't have to, you know, whatever. And then we find out that Jessel had called Aaron and Cy cackling hags when she was with Jenna shopping. Jenna then tells this to Aaron. <laughs> Jenna's like, I don't know where she got that. And then we see the flashback to when they had dinner in the Hamptons and they're uh, with Uba in the elevator when she's taking the coconut, mel- coconut milk. And then Jenna just goes, oh, I can hear all the cackling over there. <laughs>
1: Okay. Oh, yeah, Jenna, where did she get it from? (laughs) Okay, but there is a far cry from saying they are cackling, which is an observable thing that they're doing, and then calling them cackling hags. Yeah, sure. That is a world of difference. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Jenna talks about how, you know, I feel like I know Jessel means well, but she's saying things without thinking at the end of the day. Yeah. You know, and she's like, I don't think she's like a bad person. You know, she's just trying too hard. And Aaron's like Aaron says, I just think she needs to get fucked. <laughs> that too. Um, Pavet, we go back to Jessel and Pavet, and Pavit Jessel's like, yeah, they were talking about like our sex life and stuff like that. And Pavit says that their sex life is the married to kids ta- married with kids tax, which basically is like once you're married with kids, it's like everything just goes downhill. And Jessel's like, I just don't get why he's just not concerned at all. Like, but she's like, Pavit doesn't care what anyone thinks. I'm not that way. Like, she almost Almost in the sense of saying, like, I found it weird her saying that because it's like you're saying, I care about what the girls think, not about my marriage. You know what I mean? Like, not about preserving the marriage. And that's my worry. My worry is that the women think that I'm having enough sex.
1: Yeah. It was just. But it was also. It's just. It's also like. Mind-blowing that she's so concerned with what everybody else is thinking, but it's really she's concerned about what she thinks everyone else is thinking. Yeah, because if she was really concerned with how, uh, with what everybody else was thinking, she would be more careful about what she says to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: um, we go to size. Uh, she's getting ready for the friendsgiving with Chef Kane. Sai says they're going over the menu. Sai says in her confessional, "I will never let anyone starve at my house." Aaron. (laughs) Um, Brynn arrives and introduces herself to the chef, and Sai goes, "He's married." And Brynn goes, "Okay, never mind." And then runs
1: off. It was so funny because she literally like turns it on like you can see the fl- the switch flip mm-hmm. and then she like gets this flirty look on her face slouches against the wall like all coquettishly well and then and so- then Cy goes he's married and she goes oh and the you can see the the switch just flips off she pulls the panties back up <laughs> metaphorically and just saunters off and it's like girl <laughs> Well, also, can we
0: talk about how every so every time someone like arrives at the door, like Brynn would be like, hi, welcome to Brynn's giving. And she'll like just like sh- I sh- really I show her them her back. But like
1: it's really showing them her ass. Like she's like p- like. <laughs> but I mean, it it gets more ridiculous as the party goes on at first. And it's not even like she goes, oh, look at my my backless dress. It's not even like that. It's literally a she will find any excuse to present her back to them without a word. To the point that later on in the episode, I don't remember who it was that came in when she did this, but we literally see her like bent over the railing downstairs, Mm -hmm. like twisted kind of with her head coming back over her shoulder. And I'm like... That is a pose that is not for mixed company, ma'am. No, not at all. <laughs> that is a pose that you keep in the bedroom I mean, you could have it in the kitchen too, but like just just a very smaller group of people.
0: I loved when uh, when Jenna arrives, so I goes, "Check out my boobs over here, and then Jenna goes, "Please, it's my specialty." <laughs> Um, Bryn asked Jenna if she needs help getting out of her clothes, like with her YSL latex, because I guess she had posted something on Instagram. Mm-hmm. She was in this like head-to-toe latex thing. Bryn is again. I love that Bryn's flirting is like th- throughout the. It's not just the men, like random men that come oh, across yeah. the show. Like she's flirting with Jenna a lot.
1: Flirting is her language. Yeah, like that's just how she speaks. That she can't help that everything that comes out of her her mouth is smooth velvet. She can't help it.
0: Um, Aaron arrives and I, I forgot she was doing this throughout, but Cy was making them all take off their shoes when they get in. Mm -hmm. Cause she basically, she's like, I sent a text message. So everyone was aware. And they put it on the screen. (laughs) And she's like, I don't know what they're tracking into like, you know, uh, from New York City to like, look, I get it. There are rats out there.
1: There are literal rats.
0: They literally had to appoint a rat czar to deal with the rats. So. Yeah. But Aaron's like, I mean, I think I don't know. I don't agree with it because I mean, shoes are a big part of a look at the end of the day. So,
1: but they're not a big part of the look when you're going somewhere. You know, you're going to take your shoes off at. Sure, you have to. Co- you, you plan around it.
0: Yeah, you have to factor it in.
1: You you don't say, well, the jacket's part of my look if it's 110 degrees outside. You yeah. plan around that shit.
0: Yeah, um, Jessel arrives. This was okay. So we got to talk about this. So then Jessel comes up to Aaron and Aaron and she's Jessel goes, you know, how was the memorial I heard about your your grandma? And um, because I guess Aaron's grandmother passed and they had the memorial that day, the the same day as this uh, uh, Friendsgiving. I cannot imagine. Yeah. And she because when she she said like in Jewish culture, when they say memorial, it's essentially the burial. It's not like a separate um, thing. Um, she died at 94 and uh, she said it was also like a really quick thing where it's like she was in hospice and then like less than 24 hours yeah, she passed. Um, and she was really close to Aaron. And so it was, it was sad. Um, and so, Je- but Jessel asked her this and she's like, yeah, it went well. And, and you know, all that and says, and talks about it. And, and Jessel goes like, yeah, I, I, I just didn't know. So that's really unfortunate. I hope, I hope that the day went well though. And she just goes, she waits a second, and just goes, Sigh to give her a gift and Aaron's like, that was fucking weird. (laughs) Like, but okay. Is it weird? Yes. Is it I get is it another example of Jessel like kind of not reading the room? Yes. I would be Jessel in that situation. I I I find those conversations so fucking awkward and I don't know how to get out of. Like, I don't know how to end the conversation. I'm great at starting that sort of like personal conversation, but I can't end it
1: i mean honestly Cause how do
0: you end it
1: she could have reached out and like put her hand on her hand and like and like held it for a second while they were talking and then when they were done talking let go of her hand maybe even pat it a little bit and sure. then turn and walk somewhere else like it's really oh. not that hard or at
0: least like at least like expressly say like Okay, let's talk. Let's talk about something lighter or something,
1: you know? Right, something like, that would be better than just like awkwardly like. Or like, give her a hug or something, or like, I don't know, anything but that. Yeah. <laughs> so then, Aaron decides that
0: this is the time to tell Bryn and Uba about uh, Jessel calling her and Cy cackling hags, and Uba doesn't. Under- she's like, "What's what is, what is cackling?" She keeps saying "cackla ka." <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh. <laughs> um, but and then she, at one point, Uber thinks that they're talking about like a man's hanging ball, like, like droopy, like, I like cackling. Like, I don't, I don't get it. Uh, I
1: mean, maybe she means it's like cockling, cock holding, maybe,
0: uh. Um, Jenna's like, I don't look, I don't think Jessel meant it that way, and I, the, the way that it's being taken at the end of the day. And I love this moment. Jenna Jenna interconfessional. I mean, I obviously shared that information with Aaron, but I have no desire to stir the pot. And then the producer goes, So then why did you say it? And then Jenna's like, like, like literally, I have no idea. Ah. <laughs> <sighs> i love I love that she's just like, this is a watch I love that she bone carried and didn't even realize
1: like I love that she, it was just like the amount the amount of times I have done that, yeah, where it's like, oh, this is relevant related information, oh, I should have said that
0: but it also gives you almost an out- it's
1: haggard. it it's literally like literally it's haggard going, oh well yeah, I, like Like, a guy in the pub sold me this dragon egg. Oh, fuck. I shouldn't have told you that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Holy shit. Why did I say that?
0: But at least Jenna now has the out to be like, well, I didn't mean it like that way. Or, like, I didn't think it was that, you know. Yeah. Uh, So, at least there's that. Um, So, they all then sit down to eat. Psy starts and talks about, you know, wanting to do this since, you know, Brynn had been expressing how the holidays are hard and stuff like that. And then this, I've, like, Aaron's like, so, Brynn, how are you doing, by the way, with with everything? And Brynn just goes, I don't want to do it. And you could just see the look on her face is just like it was a little fourth wall breaking of like Brin being like, Well, now I have to talk about this. And yeah. like I don't want to do that. And we see like the cut to her confessional and, and she literally is telling the producer in the confessional, I'm not talking about that. And the producer's like, Maybe later, and she's like, Absolutely not. Not doing it. And very like very sternly. And like not not like sternly, but just like I've set my boundary. No, I'm not talking about that.
1: Yeah. Um, and like, I, the, I agree with that from a mental health yes. point of view, but also well, you signed up for reality television.
0: Well, a mental health point of view. Yes. But I also think like, huh? I mean, we don't know Bryn outside of this show and before this show, but I feel like a lot, of, there's, there seem to be a lot of coping mechanisms that she has inherited from this experience. And because of that. Maybe hasn't come to terms with. I I say that in the way that she talked, like even the way she talks about it here, she doesn't really. She talks very um, coded, like right. like in sort. And maybe that's for her protection on camera. But it feels like it's something that she does in normal life as well, mm-hmm. where it's like, she she doesn't want to say the specifics because they're maybe too hard. Um, size, like you know you know, size basically asks you know you can you can share. You're safe here, basically. And Brynn starts talking about how her mother, this, it, again, she doesn't really explicitly say, and maybe she will next episode, could the two be continued. But, like, the, the little that we hear, it's, it's, it seems bad. Like, yeah. she talks about how her mother had her as a teenager. She was, like, 17 or 18, I want to say. And she just said, and her father was older. And I was like, okay, this is starting to sound bad. Uh-huh. Um, she says that, basically, she only lived with her parents for the first six months of her life. And that they were in section eight housing, and that they were on welfare and had and food stamps. She said th- this is specifically what she says. She says, they got into some trouble. And then she says, I mean, it was more so my dad doing all that stuff. Mm. And then but she and then she just refers to it at she only refers to it as the bad stuff. And that it was super fucked up. So yeah. And she's, you know, she's breaking down in her confessional and, like, she's, like, telling the producer, like, I think it's fine if we talk about, like, how hurt I was because I'm so obsessed and focused that the two people who were supposed to love me didn't. And then she stops herself and says, or couldn't.
1: Yeah. Um, I will say. um, Not that that makes it okay right. but the age of consent in indiana is 16 right so that is why they were able to get a department together and why they yeah. were like all of those things but it
0: definitely it casted the vibe of
1: like advantage was taken and
0: yeah and it's like and she she talks about you know I, she like it was like i wasn't picked up for like six days and like you know my diaper wasn't changed and like so it was i, I wanted and again we won't unless she explicitly says it next episode um it may it seemed like some drug use possibly was was right. from just certain things of like mm-hmm. of of what she was saying but it seemed like may it seemed like something to take into another level and i and i won't say cuz i don't want to you know obviously put anything out there but it seemed But from
1: what she has said it is clear that she has abandonment issues it is clear that she has um Issues with, you know, like being um, ignored, which is why we see now she needs to be center of attention. Yeah. Which is why she now has problems with commitment. She doesn't, she is constantly craving, you know, validation from other people, which is why she is jumping from man to man to man. But she was also treated, you know very, very poorly for so long, and that is engraved in her psyche, so she does not believe that she deserves the happiness and the stability of of a home, like, because who deserves that shit more than a, a fucking child? Right. An infant deserves stability more than anyone else, because they're not able to do anything else for them. So, like, yeah. they're they're completely vulnerable. So, like, the fact that she was denied that even then, like, it ingrained, like, she doesn't remember that, but it's so, it's baked into the it's, way that it's, her brain is so, When formed, it's so
0: early in, in, a, in a person's life,
1: it's, it's almost... It starts to really explain, and, and that's what I'm loving about this. Like, I, I hate that she went through right, that, right. but I'm loving that we're seeing, oh, someone can come from all of that, and still do well for themselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They can come from all that, go and do well for, them, for themselves and still suffer from that.
0: It was almost, it, I mean, it was the same sort of feeling when, like, remember, I mean, I forgot what season it was. It wasn't until, like, sort of mid to late, Rony, where, like, we finally got more of Ramona's backstory about mm-hmm. her childhood and being abused and that where it was like we see you as this just sort of character for like five or six seasons that's like
1: it was the same season where she bought somebody an air conditioner
0: oh 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 yeah 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 it yeah cuz she says in the forest with Carol mm-hmm. when they yeah um but like yeah it's that like, was
1: also the same season where she threw the wine glass at, at her Kristen face in the <laughs> um
0: but like it was like oh at least like to me i'm like and and Bryn's not Brin's in no way Ramona because Ramona was right. a, a monster <laughs> in just how she conducted herself on the show. Mm-hmm. But it, like when I got that element and of Ramona, off
1: by all accounts.
0: yeah, when I got that element of Ramona's life, I was like, at least this makes sense. At least this like informs me of like why you are the way that you are. Right. And like you know, it it it's important depth in watching these shows. And it's really I mean credit to Brin for talking as much as she has talked about it because. Right clearly it was difficult for her to talk about it at all right um and but i think it's important and i think hopefully it'll help people and i think hopefully you know um people people will look at it and take the take the good out of it and maybe hope again if this is something that she is also coping with and sort of like masks outside of the show and before she came on this show maybe having a lens to sort of look at it from an outside perspective. Cause to me, like, like everything that you s- laid out about like why she has the abandonment issue, like wh- how, like how it's manifesting in her life now. Right. Like we were able to diagnose like that. and,
1: and you know, I mean, that's just an intro to psychology course right there. Like, right.
0: But I hope her seeing that. Yeah. Can connect the dots for her. Yeah. And, and yeah, hopefully that'll, that'll lead to something good. Um, but and then we leave on that to be continued uh, where we're kind of left in the air on that. But overall, this was a really good episode of Roni. And I thought really like, again, put a lot of depth into these people's characters that I loved. And mm-hmm. like, you know, the, the it was really, really great stuff across the board. Um, if you aren't watching Roni, watch it. Like, again, <laughs> we talked about the ratings. Like, it should be getting more viewers than it is right now.
1: I think people just haven't given it a chance yet. I think. This first season is going to be a tester, a tester, and I think that a lot of people. We also like forget that a lot of people like to wait until the end of a season and binge the whole thing. Yeah, and I think that people are maybe doing that here because they haven't invested in this new cast yet. Mm -hmm. But I think next season it's going to pick back up. Yeah, and it's going to be back to where it will because there's there's no excuse for it not to be because this cast is fire like there there's no misses like every like every single one of them is a hit every single one of them is a star and it's not a star into to the point where they feel like they are competing for screen time
2: mm-hmm.
1: but it's like it's this perfect flow between each of them and getting to highlight each um each of these women in their lives and we really get to see the people around them and how they affect you know the way it's just it's beautifully done a lot of that is the cast i will give a shout out to a great production team because this is what good production looks like looks like eric eric
0: (laughs) damn you eric um but no that was real housewives of new york for this week we're going to take a quick commercial break and then when we come back we're talking the newest episode of real housewives of orange county don't go anywhere
1: I'm Eamon. I'm Merlin. And if you're anything like us, you live your life out loud. And when it comes to issues of discrimination, inequity, and outright bigotry, we use every platform we have to speak out against systems of oppression that perpetrate violence against marginalized groups. That's why we are so proud to wear designs from the
0: Survivors Know merch store. Their team has created designs that feature unapologetic, empowering,
1: and survivor-centered messaging that range from mild... Like, accountability is love, and toxicity is not on the menu. a little more spicy like one of my favorites fuck your laws fuck your system transformative justice now which has a cute little happy flower on it each design is available on a variety of items from t-shirts
0: and hoodies to bags blankets magnets and even stickers and as more items become
1: available the options will continue to grow a hundred percent of the proceeds go back into supporting the amazing work done at survivors know to support survivors workers and survivor advocates by organizing, challenging the status quo, and creating alternatives to the systems that fail us. Support Survivors Know by shopping today at
0: survivorsknow.threadless.com
1: That's survivorsknow.threadless.com
0: Sidekick Media Services. We are your sidekick in business for social media, video production,
2: and more. Find out more at sidekickmediaservices.com
1: Welcome back to a gay and his envy. Let's head on over to California where I am the happiest I have ever been Unreal Housewives of Orange County.
0: It really, it, some, there was a tweet I saw. It, it really is just that this episode really is just that euphoria. I it mean, was just like, I have never, ever been happier. <laughs> I really need to watch euphoria. Uh, um, so we start with like a cold open as Tamara's FaceTiming Jen to set up their party that they're doing, so mm-hmm. they're doing a basically a costume party where they're all dressing up as each other. You know, light fun, normal situation, but it's very, all dramatic music, and it's the and it's like every scene that's been leading up to this, and like the the drama. It was like
1: you know, for a party like premise that um is clearly set up to um sow discord and for there to be shade and. Um, people really upset with how they were portrayed by somebody else. None of that happened. No. That <laughs> was just completely bypassed. That was
0: that, that that part was so innocuous and fine. Well, as of now, I mean the stuff that was happening with Shannon and Gina on Instagram this week, but uh. which I'm team Shannon. Because holy shit, Shan, one Shannon, I said online, Shannon's got fun Shannon is gone and Shady Shannon is here. Shannon's been nailing it with the quips and the and the reads. Like, yeah. like, uh, really well done, and like, Gina, I, I'm, Gina I'm, went to the Drusadora camp of taking things way too seriously. I,
1: <laughs> accurate, but also I'm I'm kind of worried for Gina. She seems like she's spiraling, doesn't she? And it just, sweetie, go to therapy.
0: Yeah, you really need to, like, because
1: I, like, I really love you, and I really like you on oc but if if this is where you end up from being in maybe this is not right for you because if that's the case sweetie like art entertainment aside take care of you
0: yeah and i think like a lot there's a lot of things that can be said about shannon and and a lot of illuminating things about shannon this episode that i We'll say that I'll say this. There have been a lot of talk that I didn't really believe about Shannon for the longest time to where this episode I was like, oh, Uh maybe maybe there's some truth there. But what I will say is that I don't think she's this like calculatingly mean person that they've been trying to portray her as. So I don't think she chose that look, Gina, because of the fact that you were going through a divorce. And what? Like, no, no. Also, also, Gina threw the first strike by trying to say that, "Oh, you took more my same skirt on Watch Happens Live or whatever." So it's like you can't throw the punch and then play victim yeah. after you get hit back.
1: Um. Anyways, I mean, there was also like side by side comparisons with the hair.
0: It's just like, girl. Yeah, it's a joke. It's a joke. Um, we see like back to back scenes of like all the women like just doing stuff with their dogs. Like Heather's playing with the dogs and stu- uh, in her house and stuff like that. I, dude, I only bring it up because there was this great scene of Shannon like playing with Archie in the pool, like throwing the ball in the pool and telling her, "Go, Archie!
1: Go!" Go! Her accent is fabulous. <laughs> I missed that accent and so Archie, much.
0: And Archie's like, "I'm not getting in the fucking bowl. <laughs> like, Archie don't give a fuck.
1: <laughs> Archie's an old man at this point. <laughs> yeah, and like. <laughs> The other dogs were jumping in and were doing it, but Archie's like, it's, "This is work. Yeah. Can I just go take a nap?" <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, Tamara and Eddie are moving stuff into the new office for Vina, um, and Tamara's talking about how you know, oh god, you know, ever since Cut closed, you know, Eddie's been you know looking to do more things, and that she's basically like, "I'm at a place now where I just want Eddie to have his own place, like this office, because." Her being around him, being around me twenty four seven is just getting on my fucking nerves.
1: <laughs> like she's like, I don't care if you go there to pay the bills, if you go there to write, if you go there to fucking jerk off, get out of the house.
0: Yeah, <laughs> she, and I, she's like, his chewing just annoys me, and we just see the scene of them eating pho in the kitchen, and the chewing noises were like bad. Well, and, and look, I, I don't know if they were added by producers, but they were bad.
1: Well, a lot of people went through that sort of thing during COVID, and. We just bypassed that by sleeping on different schedules. Yeah. Like, I would sleep for eight hours, and then you would sleep for eight hours. Then we would have eight hours together, and each of us would get eight hours apart. And it was great. It was lovely. It was it was like having a job, but also it was just Netflix. Yeah. It was fabulous.
0: Uh, Eddie uh, is he's like, I want to do something in fitness. I just don't know what that is right now. And you know, I, I have to just take the time to think about it. I'm like, dude, just be a personal trainer. Like you literally not that th- hard. There's a lot of money that can be made in even if you do like at home shit. Like, yeah. you know, it's um it's it's really possible.
1: Start a YouTube channel. Become a Peloton trainer. Like you've got enough notoriety for Peloton to hire yeah. you. Like
0: You can make a good chunk of change. Um Tamara's uh talking about the party and that it's the you do me, I do you party, where they all pick names out of a hat and they have to dress as, as each other. And Tamra got Heather, so she does like her Heather impression of like doing her little prance and being snooty and being like, you know, I'm up here, you're down here. Tamra's was like Heather took it very well, but Tamra's was the most
1: pointed. Well, well it was Tamra and Shannon's. It was pointed and wrong. Like the look was not Heather at all. Like any era. Of well, Heather. yeah. And it's like she's never walked or talked like that. So it's like, what were you actually doing? Mm. You
0: needed like she needed I needed Tamara to like go through a dictionary and just start picking out big words yeah. to use in like conversation normally. Because that is a good move, which Heather does later <laughs> in the episode. Yes. Um we see Gina and Heather get together. If at- she
1: had said the word capricious, mm-hmm. I would have lost
0: it. Mm-hmm. Uh they get together and like at some like pumpkin patch like sort of um uh thing. Um Gina talks about like are you surprised that Jen's like hosting this party with Tamara? And she's like, Yeah. And she's like, Jen is way too nice. Gina ver Gina does not fuck with Tamara. We've said it before, but nope. it's like Gina really wants Gina wants this to be a Tamara takedown season, but no one's
1: doing it. Yes, but it's like you can't she just got here she has to establish reestablish herself a little bit before you can take her down. This is a Heather takedown season. It's failing miserably, but it is. That's what this is.
0: Yeah. So Heather, they sit down and Heather's like, "So as my as your friend, I wanted to bring this up to you. So we were at, I was at boxing with Jen and Tamara and Jen was saying that Shannon was trying to dig into your relationship with Travis basically, which also I was like cuz Gina then is like, "Well, Emily brought that me to me too that Shannon expressed concerns." And I didn't think it was that crazy. It just was like, uh, and it seemed like it was a continuation of the Montana trip, right? Yeah. Where Shannon had brought that up at the table. So Shannon like had that one-on-one with Emily, which we had seen um, in flashbacks before. And I think that was like right after the Montana trip. So it's like, I don't think it was that. And to me, it seemed like genuinely like looking out for Gina
1: again. But I mean, it's not even just looking out for Gina, but also like, Hey, this might be something that your that your boyfriend doesn't feel comfortable bringing up to you, but he could possibly be feeling. So maybe you should bring this up. Yeah. With him. Which he did to then like make sure that everything's good because you may not be able to see it from his point of view and I just I want you to see this as a possibility.
0: Yeah. Gina's basically like, she has no problem poking around in other people's relationships, but she wants to talk about her, she never wants to talk about her own issues with John. And Heather's like, yeah, it's a way of deflecting. And Gina's, you know, is like, Shannon would open up to me about issues, but then when I would voice concerns, it would then be me creating a problem, essentially. Which I'm like, okay, that seems weird. But then it gets, the more people who then share this story, I'm like, Okay. All right. This feels so coordinated. It does, but also when... Here's the thing. It does... I would say this if it was only Tamra, Emily, and Gina saying it.
1: Heather does say it later as well. But she has never said it in front of cameras. It, for me, it's not that it seems coordinated that people oh. are saying this. It seems coordinated that things are getting brought up with, with Heather... When Heather is on screen... On
0: terms of that, yeah.
1: It seems very coordinated that people are like, oh, well, I'm going to have this conversation with Heather. I'm going to try to get Heather to say something. And Heather's just sitting here going... I'm not. Well, I'm that, not going to do that. But
0: that's the thing. Like, I really felt that it would. What I mean is that I felt that it was twofold. I thought it was like almost a Heather takedown and a Shannon takedown. Like, if we could hit two, it was like if we can hit two birds with one stone and then have one of the birds blame the other bird for it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, like, that's what it felt like but then i like towards the end i was like okay but what is this
1: cuz it kind of doesn't feel like but it's not even a shannon takedown it's a heather takedown it's... and a john takedown
0: yeah but the question but i think the thing is is the john takedown valid cuz if it is if if the stuff behind the john takedown is valid
1: look there might be a um There might have been reasons to get rid of John. Fine. Whatever. We may or may not ever really know what went on behind the scenes there. But I do not trust that the motivations to get rid of John were that he is not good for Shannon. The motivations to get rid of John feel very much a, oh, John is taking the center of attention off of Tamra. You think Tamra is has like some narcissistic tendencies, um, in that she wants to be the center of everybody's attention and wants nobody to have no, anybody I, but her. That
0: I agree with, but I don't see John as like this like big center of attention.
1: It's not not on the show. To Shannon. Oh. Tamara came back on the show to get Shannon back. So
0: she basically wants... So basically what Vicky thought Tamara was doing with
1: Brooks... Is exactly actually, what she's doing it's with It's actually Shannon.
0: doing with Shannon. Yes. Okay. Interesting.
1: Yes. And that's an interesting theory. And I think she was actually doing that with Brooks too. But Brooks, But she ended up being right. She ended up being right. Yeah. I think she uses like real situations... To make herself feel better for shitty behavior. Mm. I'm going to do something shitty, and I'm going to do it because you were already a bad person. You see what I mean? Yeah, I can see that. That's interesting. And I'm saving my friend, quote unquote. But really, it's about making it to where you're the only person that they can trust. Right,
0: because I, well, I said it last week. I do not understand the unit right now of the three tres amigos which i love them the the idea of the unit but more like why shannon is like unbudging with the two of them at least was what it appeared on when she was on watch what happens live last week because at, even at the end of this episode i'm like how is it that you're only how is it that like after this end of this season you're you as shannon are only mad at heather when at this point you seem to be because mad at everyone heather
1: was the other friend Heather and Shannon but had I know, gotten close. Right.
0: I just want to know what Tamara's manipulation was to get Shannon there. Because right now, she's, at, at the end of this episode, she's not there
1: yet. Question. When the Brooks stuff was happening, mm-hmm. was there another person that Vicky was friends with that Tamara was not really friends with she was breaking off
0: the fr- like the, their friendship had been kind of wavering right remember because remember she was like vicky was pretending to be friends with alexis bellino even though they had nothing in common and tamra was very clear like you're not friends with her you're just doing it because i'm closer to gretchen now and like you know you're
1: so she- also during that brooks thing was there a concerted attack also on alexis bellino same shit. She's doing the get rid of John and then also take down Heather. Yeah. So take out your other friend that is not me or Vicky. That's... And me. take out the lover.
0: I think you might have something there. I, I Yeah.
1: She is a Trace Amigos supremacist. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean,
0: better than what her son is. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. So... <laughs> Gina, <laughs> we got to move on. I can't dwell on that. Gina asked Heather uh, if, she, if Heather has any concerns. And Heather basically is like, you know, I, you know, at the end of the day, I feel like I've rekindled my friendship with Shannon in these last, like, six months. So I really don't want to go there. I'm worried about, like, hurting that. And Sh- Gina goes, in her confessional, why bring up Shannon and John, but then actively not say anything about it? I feel like Heather is sensing... She's gotten into trouble here. And I, and we were both like, what do you mean she brought up Shannon and John? But I think she's talking about, she, she's talking about the narrative that Heather was saying stuff off camera to Gina and Emily right. and Tamara, which, you know, I think is debatable. Heather in her confessional says, look, you know, I, me and, you know, I know a lot about Shannon and John and really all of the girls do. We talk about it and that's what we do. But there's a difference between talking about someone and talking against someone
1: that that's why i believe heather yeah because she uh, you've also got to think about it when she is in like a social circle where you don't talk like in that like echelon mm-hmm. of people you there's a lot of like um back channels. You don't do anything directly. Yeah. So, like, why would she ever directly speak against Shannon? Why would she do that? That's her friend, number one. But number two, you say things behind the scenes. You talk behind and around subjects. Right. So, it really doesn't make sense that they're all accusing her of, like, actively gossiping about but that's, that's not her. That's, yeah. She's never shown to be that, and it doesn't make sense with anything we know of her. My thing
0: is, I just feel like also everyone's probably also doing it off camera. Right. And then, then it's like, okay, so if everyone's doing it off camera, who's doing it on camera? Right. That's the key difference. hmm so, uh, We go to Jen, who's uh, with her college friend from Oklahoma, Taylor, and they're, uh, they're on like the pier and all that. Taylor uh, uh, talks about how she was speaking to Ryan the night before when uh, she was over at the house about, you know, where things are going with Jen and Ryan basically said, like, we'll be, we'll be married by in 12, at least 12 months or at the most 12 months. And she's like, wow. And Ryan's like, yeah, you know, I'm fully committed to this. Um, she says that she thinks that Ryan genuinely cares about Jen and the kids. So. so it was interesting to get an outside perspective. Yeah. You know what I mean? To see, like, he seems like a good person. So. Right. And then Jen uh, says that, you know, all the discussion with the girls is kind of making her question things and sort of making her waver. Um, her friend Taylor asked, like, you know, what are you waiting for? And then she literally says, are you worried that there's something that's going to come out and you're going to have a ring on your finger because if you, tr- because if you trust them, Like, which I'm like, I think you hit it on the head. I do
1: think that's probably what it is. Like, Well, yeah, but who wouldn't? Like, yeah. just be honest about that. And be honest with him about the fact, like, because it's not fair to be sitting in this situation and have all of these, like, misgivings and then not talk about them. Right. Like, if you're going to sit here and act like everything's hunky-dory to his face and then behind his back be like, I don't know if I want to be with this guy because I don't know that I trust him, that's not fair. You Shit the, or get off the pot.
0: You at the very least need to broach that conversation about feeling like you felt cheated on. Right. Before he puts a ring on your finger, without right. a doubt. Like, you can't, you can't, you know, let that go by.
1: But, I mean, part of that is because she's having to defend everything so vehemently to the girls, right? Yeah. That it doesn't feel genuine to do that and then turn around and talk to him about, well, actually, by the way, I am having issues. I'm not talking about it with them, but I'm talking about it with... So, like, I can understand why she feels like that would... Like, she's like, I have to choose one.
0: Yeah. And she's like, I just want to do it right. And that, you know, you know, I don't want to be in a place where I'm divorced again. She talks about how her divorce is really complicated because Will, she talked about before, it works for the family business. And that the feeling is kind of like, well, if you're divorcing my our daughter, like, should you work for us anymore? Which you were like, that feels like wrongful
1: termination (laughs) it it does feel like wrongful termination i you would have to look and see if that company has like a quote-unquote morality clause right um and so like i don't think morality clauses should be legal um personally because what you
0: do outside of work shouldn't matter yeah unless you like like kill someone
1: right or unless you're like a public spokesperson or something like I can understand, like, hey, your public image reflects poorly on the. Like I get that. Yeah. But like, if you're a everyday Joe schmo and you're installing Windows or whatever the hell it is he does for their for their family, yeah. Like, it shouldn't fucking matter. Like, if you get convicted of a felon f- felony, fine. Like, but if you divorce the owner's daughter, you shouldn't be able to fire that guy. Yeah, that's not fair.
0: Jen talks about basically the worry. Her worry is that Ryan will feel trapped the second the ring goes on. And that, that, that basically like that, that will be the thing that, Im- that causes him to actually cheat, essentially. Um, which I thought was kind of interesting.
1: Maybe you need to stop doing the Hoover sounds and actually see a real therapist.
0: Yeah, that, that could be it. But she says that she's happy at the end of the day. And Taylor basically hugs her and says like, they'll be fine. Um, the women are getting their makeup done and getting ready for the party. Um, Tamra tells her makeup artist that like she's worried about like the Shannon and Heather stuff, and that she's worried that Shannon won't help herself but confront Heather.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I'm sure you're worried about that, a- a- aka exactly what you want. Mm-hmm. Um, Shannon is getting ready, and her uh, daughter Adeline is like gift like bo- having her borrow a dress or whatever. And then Shannon's like, "Can I? Bo- Do you have any pantyhose that I can borrow?" And her daughter's like, "What?" <laughs> Like, like tights. And they're like, and Shannon has to be like, you don't know what pantyhose are? They're sheer. <laughs> uh, so then, oh God. So then Vicky stops by Shannon's house. <laughs> she, she opens the door and Vicky's like, who are you? And Shannon goes, you're an open book of bullshit. <laughs> From the, that one reunion. And Vicky goes, oh, of course it's Gina. <laughs> Vicky says she's just going as her.
1: <laughs> she's that like feels like a cop out she's
0: like i'm the og of the OG. i i did end up what like i end up liking what she did uh in terms of reference but like i
1: agree i'm like girl really it, it seems like she decided to come to the party after the um roles were assigned
0: yeah um she's uh sending to get her makeup done as sharon goes to change uh they asked about like vicky's dating life she talks about you know how she's been really screwed the last 10 years with both uh-huh. brooks and steve just like Back to back just shit, man. And so she's like, I developed an eighteen point checklist for a future for a future man and they show it on screen. So she wants this this is this is her checklist. Oh, you wrote it down. (laughs) Well, I screen grabbed it because they had like ages fifty-eight to sixty-three. He has to be Christian, own a home, independently wealthy, entrepreneur, forward thinker. He has to have a passport, he has to love Mexico, love to travel, be divorced, (parentheses not in the process. Have children, uh, country western boy, love country music, compassionate. He has to adore Vicky, has to make Vicky laugh. He has to find Vicky funny. He has to ha- they have to have fun together. And then the, there's a bonus of if he has a boat. <laughs>
1: You know, just as long as he parks that boat where it's supposed to be and we will move it when the person on the dock tells him to.
0: Oh, we haven't gotten into Montgomery.
1: <laughs> that culture I love this week. Oh, I was just sitting back and sipping tea and looking at memes, <laughs> and it was... Uh, it was beautiful.
0: Gina's talking as she's getting her makeup done that she has a feeling whoever gets her isn't going to do current Gina. And then as she says it, it just cuts to Shannon getting her wig on with like the the crimps and like the, the clearly put on like fake extensions. It's really well done because Gina's hair used to be fucking awful.
1: Yeah, but she never had like clearly exposed extension clips. Sure. Like... No, that's that would never happen on Housewives. But
0: that one season where she
1: looks, fr- it looked fried as fuck and like just like dead, like sure. But like I've had fried as fuck hair before. Hell, I kind of have fried as fuck hair now. Mm. It's not as bad. <laughs> it was it was bad. <laughs> I love Vicky
0: going. <laughs> Vicky asked Shannon, "So are you guys Budsy Woodsy? <laughs> Budsy Woodsy. Okay. And Shannon brings up everything that happened last year with their fighting and stuff like that. Um, Shannon's like, I'm in a good place with Emily, you know, and I want to really keep it that way. Um, but is worried about the Heather stuff. So, and she goes, I love Shannon goes, I don't need everyone flipping, chiming in, in a relationship. I've been in for three and a half freaking years. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, so she's, yeah, already antsy about that. Uh, we go to the party at Jen's house, the "You Do Me, I Do You" party. Tamra walks into Jen's uh, bathroom as she's getting uh, put together, and Tamra has her money gun, which I love. Heather saying later, I would never have a money gun. It's declassy.
1: <laughs> it's like, it's like she just didn't do Heather DeBro. She got the champagne, which yes, fine. And then
0: she goes in because Jen is uh, doing Taylor, and but Taylor goes in and goes, "You're so cute," and it's like the little headband. Thing. <laughs> it's so funny. Um, Jen, like I mentioned, Jen is as Taylor. This like Taylor. Apparently, Taylor has always talked about going to this restaurant called the Deck, which is like this like <laughs> that she basically like always goes there. So she has a deck hat. Mm-hmm. um and all that and then she has the white cat <laughs> for, yeah from the cat good. Mood. and then the, the the lips were really good the like the draw the drawing on of the lips i thought was pretty spot on um gina shows up as emily and she's got hip pads she looks great she looked like a mix
1: between emily and marianne from Gilgamesh island
0: very that but that that is such a top emily
1: would wear oh though. yeah like completely the, she literally went and shopped in emily's closet
0: yeah Emily shows up as Shannon and walks in and is like, am I late? And she's day drinking. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well.
0: Um, I didn't look, I th- I thought the pants were the wrong. It was like these like there were these like floral, like sunflower leggings. And I'm like, it needs to be like white. Like like really like white, like straight lace pants. Yeah. Like that's more, that's more Shannon's vibe.
1: With a very obvious crease down the front.
0: Yeah. Heather shows up as Jen, uh, and she just has a, she's in like workout yoga gear, and it's like, has like a stroller full of puppies. Which, like. Also, she looked
1: fucking great. Her body was on point.
0: The hair wasn't, I would agree with Jen, the hair wasn't really right, but like.
1: It was a slightly different color, but who cares? Yeah.
0: Um, Taylor shows up as Tamara, and Tamara's like, she didn't even try. Like, I didn't, Taylor's was the worst one. She had like, it was just like leg warmers, and she had weights. I was like, what? Yeah. I love Taylor, Tamara going, she could have wore a cut fitness hat, you know, some titty prosthetics. She could have wore a big sign that said asshole.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Uh, Taylor goes up to Jen and goes, I like your pussy. <laughs> 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 um, only has a moment where she falls, falls off the bar stool like Shannon. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. Which I was like, pretty like shannon's always fallen it's inside i wasn't way.
1: sure if that was on purpose or if she just happened to fall off the it, w-
0: it was it was kind of convincing where i was like i uh um shan and then so then shannon shows up as gina <laughs> which it was just like the the it was uh. the most accurate in terms of dress and like while i agree with it like the vibe of the hair it was sure um Vicky shows up with her keg and goes Woohoo where's the party referencing when she showed up to her son's college <laughs> the keg which I was like at least there's that like at least like you have some fun reference to like that back That was in the day.
1: 2007
0: Yeah God that was 3 faces ago Which means Vicky. he's
1: my age cuz that was my senior year like of high school my first year of college so like
0: Yeah that's probably right holy shit <laughs> old.
1: but no it was like yeah take back what i said earlier i am old like i'm, I'm old
0: they do a they, vicky and shannon both do keg stands and vicky's like she just completely spits out and doesn't swallow at the end and then shannon she was doing like it was a water fountain
1: like it was like well, not even a water fountain she was just like open mouth like not even trying to catch <laughs> any of the beer
0: it was really bad.
1: Tamara says she's not she's
0: uh Heather De hoe instead of Heather De and like t- hikes her skirt up and shows her panties and like it was like oh god.
1: It was just it was so bad. It it felt like the culmination of really obvious slandering of Heather this season. Yeah. Cause I feel like Tamara's also been the one that's been pushing the narrative of Heather's really pretentious. See, she does these all these pretentious things. Like yeah it's always Tamra well, it's Tamara and Emily, which we'll hit on a little bit later, like, yeah, but I feel like Emily's an agent of I,
0: I really i mean they have been i mean Tamra and Emily have been like explicitly close nowadays to where like it does seem like that like that's what's happening,
1: yeah, um, I don't know that Emily's necessarily in on all the motivations and the back oh I do but um i I definitely think that they have been um. In cahoots, mm-hmm. as It's, a, it's it a, were. It's a
0: uh, what? Is, oh, it's a collusion. collusion. There we go. Good. That's what Manya said. Um Emily, Hi, Gay. <laughs> um, Emily and Gina are talking by the snacks about um, Heather talking about Shannon, <laughs> and Emily's like, you know, I'm op- I open to Shannon all the time about my stuff, but it's just unfair that you know we don't get the same, et cetera. And Emily's like, you know, I I want to advocate for Shannon, but she just needs to be open. So now, um, which I'm. So now Emily kind of, if there was anything nefarious beforehand, Emily's at least come up with the alibi, right? Of like, I want to be there for she and I really want to support her. And like, you know, yeah, et cetera. Um, they play do or drink, which is like a card game, uh, sort of like call to action thing. Vicky acts out her favorite sex position with Tamara, where she like Vicky's like, I guess Vicky likes doggy now.
1: <laughs> yeah, but standing doggy.
0: Standing doggy. uh.
1: Uh, Heather, uh, it's like knowing your, your, your stick, wouldn't you really like missionary?
0: Well, I will say, I, I love that Vicky's just completely gotten rid of, I think we talked about it, like that season 14 stuff of her, like being prim and proper and not talking about sex and all that stuff. Like, I love that she's like completely, you're making a mockery. Yeah. What was it? Let's elevate. <laughs> um, Heather has to guess which one in the group has had a threesome and she guessed Taylor and she's correct. I mean, it makes sense. Uh, Emily does her best Shannon impression uh, with her hand, like she does. Like it was, um, it was a little too. I agreed with Shannon in her professional that it wasn't completely correct because it was very um. What's not not Jesus Christ superstar? Um, what's the oh Mary Catherine Gallagher? Oh, it was right. like it was like close to the face and like that. And Shannon's like, no, I'm I'm more like the, like gesturing outward, not like ooh. <laughs> like. <laughs> um, Gina motorboats Jen at one point. It was a good motorboat. Um it it was like very like um verbal. Like like ver- not verbal. Um <laughs> audible.
1: <laughs> it was very verbal. It was a verbal mo- mo- voting.
0: Um you well you can yeah um i won't go there <laughs> i had a joke but i'm not taking it uh vicky uh has to like strip and takes her top off at one just straight up just takes her top off and is in her bra i missed that and, and well she goes my kids are going to be mortified right and gina goes after 13 years your kids are going to be mortified now and we see the compilation of every like big yeah. vicky moment uh um vicky oh they're taking shots and like like vicky is trying to convince shannon to take a shot with her and like Vicky tries to like sneakily pour half of her shot into Shannon's shot as if like it would like fit. <laughs> so <this laughs> It's yeah That don't make sense. Taylor licks Emily's nipple at one point, uh-huh. um, which was a lot. <laughs> uh huh. Um Shannon then leaves the table at one point for something, and then Tamara then starts talking to Heather. And is like, you know, tells Emily or tells Heather, you know, what Emily had told her that uh, Heather told Emily. And Heather's like, I didn't say that. I didn't say their relationship wasn't good. Shannon, like, immediately hears this. It was like she was waiting the whole night for, like, this to happen, right? She was just So as soon as, like, she gets any glimpse of it, she comes back in from the kitchen and just literally the look on her face is like, no, this can't be happening. And she immediately grabs Heather and is like, we need to talk right now. Mm -hmm. And pulls her to the side. Well,
1: I just, I was really frustrated with this conversation because... Well, it's Shannon, so, like, she doesn't really do nuance. Yeah. But, like, I was really frustrated that she didn't come in and say, Hey, this is what is happening, and I'd like to hear your side of the story. No, it was she came in and said... And you're the bad person, and this is why, and everyone's told me that you're a bad person, and I believe them, and fuck your side of the story. And Heather rightfully said, um, excuse the fuck out of me? Heather literally says, I didn't say that, that's bullshit. And I'm like, oh, like, something about Heather saying it, she
0: says it multiple times in this episode, she's like, that's bullshit. I'm like, oh, wow, Heather. <laughs> prim and proper just out the window um emily is at the table next thing you
1: know she's gonna call somebody a cunt and then (laughs) yeah
0: emily's at the table with everybody and she says like shannon will bring up stuff to them about john on the down low and vicky's like she wants to i mean she wants to protect john and emily's like i understand that but like when and when you know the only issue is and vicky kind of is like vicky was kind of like being mediator in certain ways which i thought was New for her?
1: Yeah, that's interesting. After seventeen years,
0: she was like, "So you, so Emily, you basically think like you know, uh you're sharing all your stuff, and then Shannon doesn't do it in return. Like it was, and I think maybe it was because Shannon told Vicky at her house that like she's better with Emily, that Vicky was then open to sort of hearing Emily in certain ways, which like because Vicky with when Emily and Gina came on, she was clearly like, oh yeah, like because Vicky never likes the new people, no." famously um which oddly i thought she we'll get to it later um heather then tells uh shannon like i've always been neutral when it comes to you and john and then heather uh confessional, goes "Tamara's trying to drum up drum up something as if it uh, i can't keep a secret i don't like that but also i think that shannon is way too concerned about who is talking about her relationship than being concerned about her actual relationship mm-hmm. so but at, so at least this isn't now, now that I'm reasoning, through, Heather's not being completely honest. I will say this, because I remember, because at Cut Fitness, or not at Cut Fitness, at the boxing thing, she was saying it there. Like I thought Shannon and John seemed great together. Like they seemed like they were good. And now, what I will say, I'm re reasoning with myself. She that could be just she, just something she's doing on camera to like being a good friend to Shannon, right? Right, as you do. And maybe, maybe what we're seeing here is like. Her realizing, like, oh, wait, so everyone's talking about this now. So maybe the best thing is to be honest.
1: Well, I mean, it's one thing to try to keep the, the cat from getting out of the bag before it's out of the bag. Right. But once it's out of the bag, it's like, why are you pretending the cat's still in the bag?
0: Exactly. So it's like, at this point, now that it's become such a thing, it like, would, like it I would... don't like that I'm being centered in it, but, like, right. now we can all be honest about it.
1: Right. You know? Like, and and again, she's not going to shit on them. Like, she's not going to speak against them. Right. But she will speak about it.
0: Yeah. And Shannon then goes, now I'm going to have to talk to John about this. And he's going to say, you know how private I am. And when we fight, it's devastating to me. Shannon keeps saying this about, like, being worried about telling. This is where I'm like, okay, maybe they are right about John. Because, like, she keeps reiterating this idea of, like, I'm going to being worried about telling John and about his reaction, et cetera, and about how the fighting is, like, when they fight, it's terrible.
1: But we're still good. I think that's leftover trauma from David.
0: I can't tell. I thought that way, too, originally, but now I can't
1: tell. Like, now it's, like. Well, and I also, like, It's been... Who was it that recently said that John is actually a camera whore?
0: That apparently comes up next week.
1: Oh, that was in the preview is where I saw that. Preview for
0: next week uh, with Heather.
1: Okay, so... But Heather's the one that says it? Yeah,
0: because Heather... Because Shannon reiterates also that like he's very private, and at one point Heather literally goes, He's not private! Stop saying that!
1: So, I mean, to me... It seems like Shannon wants it to be private because last time her relationship got put on the front burner, I don't think she everything w- fell apart.
0: Yeah, I don't think she wants any scrutiny. And I think, like, that does frustrate me to a certain extent as a viewer as well because it's like we should see the honest realm of your relationship. And part of, But it's also frustrating for me in the sense of, like, I've always said I feel like they are a good couple together. But now I'm wondering, like, is it just presentation for cameras? Right. Are they just showing the good sides of it? Right. So, like, that's the the frustration.
1: Um, But then again, also just I think last week or the week before we were just defending Jenna Lyons and her girlfriend for not wanting her to be on the show. Right, but
0: at least be more explicit with it.
1: Yeah, I mean, at least they're like, this is a boundary we're putting up. We're not talking about the relationship. She will not appear on camera. Period. Yeah. End of story. That's I, what we're doing. Because
0: I am like, when she does say like, "Oh, he's private," I'm like, "But we've seen him on the show." Like, right. so it's like, how private is he, really? Right. Um, Heather reaffirms what that what's, you know gets put in the vault stays there, and tells Shannon like, you know, some of these girls are very specific uh, to me about you not having a good relationship and hiding it. They like, it's not vague. It's very specific stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, we go back to, and Emily's telling the girls that Shannon told her that John had got, and her had gotten this huge fight and he had basically left her at Nobu, which I was like, okay, well, Tamara did say a cut, uh, in like episode two or whatever, like that Shannon and John get in fights and like Shannon, like John will like leave Shannon places. So it's like kind of, Recurring and that could be collaboration, but it's like, you know, um, Heather basically says, like, you know, I'm not taking the fall for something I didn't do. Tamara then asked uh, Emily, So, did Heather talk to you about Shannon's relationship? And Emily says, Yes. And then Tamara asked Gina the same thing. And she says, Yes. Which is
1: bullshit because Gina, like, we see it happen. Heather did not talk to Gina about about that gina talked to heather about it. why but that was
0: on camera gina's claim gina's claiming uh, off camera gina is claiming the same thing that emily is claiming and receipts
1: are shut the fuck up at this point well that's
0: the thing but that's that's the beauty of it there's no receipts because it's off-camera conversation
1: well then it doesn't need to come on camera sure like if you don't have like if you don't have either like if you don't have evidence of some sort it shouldn't it shouldn't be brought it's up. It's really not fair. It's really not fair because you can say anything happened off camera. Yeah.
0: Again, much like the Courtney thing of being like, well, Kenya did this off It's like great, we have no way of validate it. Um Ke- uh Heather then hears this though and goes, What are you whispering, Tamara? And then everyone just turns around.
1: <laughs> I found this so funny because. We're meant to believe that Shannon and Heather have, like, removed <laughs> yeah. themselves from the conversation and are over here having a private talk, right? Right. Heather literally does not raise her voice. Yeah. She just turns her head from talking to Shannon to ask Tamara and what Tamara she's And Tamara was
0: being quiet and whispering. So like, it's
1: like, you're right there. Yeah. Like, I think sometimes we forget that when they separate and have two separate scenes going on at once, they're literally like back to back trying to have these separate conversations. Like that was not, it was right there.
0: (laughs) Tamara goes, did you talk to Gina and Emily about Shannon's relationship? And then uh, Heather goes, how about this? Did all of you all talk about Shannon's relationship? And Shannon goes, Shannon stops. Heather goes, not going to do this. Heather, not going to do this in the group. Like we're not we're not making this a group conversation, and then it's em-
1: already a group conversation. Shannon,
0: yeah, and then Emily starts yelling at Heather that, that, that you know that's not fair, Heather. Blah blah blah, and Heather's like stand down. Uh, Gina tells Shannon like it's a concern, and Shannon goes Gina, you know what? <laughs> and then Gina goes you're the one poking around in my relationship, Shannon. And I'm like okay, like. Uh,
1: I get, I get why Gina feels that way, but that's just not what
0: happened. Sure. Gina goes, you were concerned about my relationship with Travis. And Shannon goes, the same way Heather was. And then Gina goes, then why are you yelling at her? <laughs> like, like, you're mad at Heather right now. What are you talking about, Shannon? And then Shannon, like, stands up. Like it's and and the way the music gets played, it sounds like it's the fucking Terminator. Like she like stands up as if she's about to like just morph into like this like like Godzilla monster. It. <laughs> and she goes, "You owe my boyfriend a
1: huge fucking apology." No, no, no. She doesn't say huge. There's no H. It's huge. Yeah. It's. A- a huge apo- And I was like, wow, wow. And, wow, and then okay.
0: Gina goes, your boyfriend owes you a thousand apologies, apparently, from what everyone else is saying. And I was like, ooh, that was good.
1: Oh. <laughs> Way <laughs> and, to twist the knife.
0: And Gina goes, there is no one here that knows anything about my relationship. <laughs> um... Pretty sure people do. This is where Shannon lost me because Emily, so, and then Emily's like, "We're all concerned." And Shannon and Erica Feshaw are like, "Okay, so is this an ambush?" Like they are all exaggerating everything in terms of, like, basically it's like they're everyone is making it up. Is is Shannon's defense? And Shannon like storms off into the well, kitchen. Well, it is her middle name. Yeah, um, the,
1: Sh- Shannon storms.
0: The the, it was here. right there. It was uh, her namesake, um, Vicky. This is where I was like, when I said like Vicky usually doesn't have um, good things with the new people. Mm-hmm. This I thought was interesting. Vicky's talking to Jen and Vicky's like, you know, as you get older, you know, you learn less gossip is better. And I hear it's been happening to you, to, to Jen. And Jen's like, yeah, it's been really bad. And Vicky's like, I'm really sorry. And I'm like, oh, that's interesting that they're kind of bonding. Well, but also like Jen, like but, Vicky being empathetic. But that, now that I think about it, that makes sense that i think vicky still probably like even though brooks was terrible and vicky now realizes brooks was terrible she she always resented tamara for going hard on brooks yeah and 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 she even went hard on on steve lodge a little bit too and and kind of was mad about that so like i think she kind of i thought it was interesting cuz i felt like it was vicky being like i know what tamara's doing to you she did it to me mhm like so it, it was an interesting little dynamic there. Emily's trying to calm Shannon down in the kitchen, and Shannon's just like, this is my life! And it's like, just Shannon freaking out in the Gina outfit was just, like, so funny. To it's,
1: it's always like that with these ladies. It's, it's a, the weird outfits with the really emotional, like, angry screaming, and it's like, I cannot take you seriously. It was ladies.
0: giving the, the 80s party that yeah. Shannon... the, the was bunko party. <laughs> um, Heather uh, is saying, like, it feels like... Em- Emily Heather's done with Emily and is like she just keeps fucking coming for me. I'm done with her. That's bullshit. And it's a matter of the table. And Vicky's like what the hell's going on, Heather? And she, Heather's like everything is my fault apparently. Apparently I'm a Machiavellian terrible person who manipulates everyone. You know? I Shannon is or now Shannon's being calmed down by both Emily and Tamara in the kitchen. And calm down. Well, I was going to say, cause at one point, like Emily's trying to like calm Shannon down and Tamra just goes, I thought what Heather did is so rude. And I'm like, Tamra,
1: Tamra's you know, sitting there with the fucking like lighter fluid.
0: <laughs> basically. Like Tamra's basically throughout the rest of this night is like, don't you hate Heather now, Shannon? Like, yeah. like it's very, it's very obvious to me. And then Shannon uh, is basically like, you know, tells them what he- uh, Heather said. That, you know, she didn't, you know, say anything. And Tam is like, oh, she's lying. So she goes, okay, what the fuck? And now Tamara goes out to confront Heather uh, about this. This also, okay. So now Shannon and Emily are talking in the hallway. And this was to me where I was like, okay, Shannon, you've completely lost me now. <laughs> Shannon goes, I don't call you. I, I haven't told you anything bad about John. And Emily goes, okay, that's not true. And Shannon goes, Two years ago, I did. And Emily goes, no, it was actually a couple months ago. I mean, we went to Javier's, and you told me a lot of things. And then there's, like, a long pause, and Shannon's just like, I I, I don't know what I said. And I'm like, okay, maybe they are right that you kind of, like, drink and then, like, vent and then, like, don't remember what you said, and
1: then... I almost wanted Heather to walk in at that point and go, it was you. Yeah. It's like, (laughs) it's like, Oh, Shannon, Shannon, you're the one that told everyone you're the one talking behind your own back.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And then we go to Emily's confessional and she just goes from what she told me, I don't feel like he's invested in their relationship and I feel like she's wasting her time and I feel like she can do better. And I'm just going to leave it at that. Um, Heather. And then, then, so again, like, we go to Heather's confessional, and now they're just saying everything. Now they're just like, "Well, Shannon's like Shannon's gone full like we're all lying." So it's like we kind of just have to admit everything. Yeah. So like Heather's saying her confessional, Shannon pays for everything. The family dynamic isn't great. He's never slept over, and because John's kids in three and a half years, and like she doesn't go over there. And then Heather's like, "I don't, I don't want to talk about it." (laughs) Like. But it's like, yeah, it feels it feels like now it's like where there's smoke, there's fire. Like, you yeah, know, and there's a lot of fucking smoke here. As is Shannon's still freaking out, Vicky just walks back out and goes, What do we gotta do to whoop it up around here? I'm thirsty. And then she goes to the fucking bartender and is like, Do you have like a Cabernet or something like that? And he's like, Well, I have the wine that I have. And then he's like trying to open the wine, and Vicky's just standing behind him going, Come on. <laughs> And he's like, uh, and she's like, let me do it. <laughs> like, and opening. Vicky
1: Karen Col- uh, Gunvalson. But it was so. <laughs> it it was very Karen, but it Vicky really is the original Karen. Yeah. And then she opens, and she's like, "Who wants
0: wine?" <laughs> Shannon storms off again and tells Emily, like, stop following me. Emily's, uh, and then now Emily's now just venting. I'm like, it hurts me, Shannon. It hurts me that you're, you know, you know, can't open up to us. And you're, and like, it starts like crying or whatever. Vicky's now in the middle trying to diffuse between these two. Right. And at one point Shannon just goes, don't make me look irrational. <laughs> I'm like, okay, Shannon. Like, I get. uh, You're not really helping your case. Emily's like, you you just need to be honest with your friends. You know, just be honest so we can all rally around you. And at one point, Vicky has to be like, look, I I just don't think she doesn't need rallying. Like, she doesn't need rallying. Emily's like, okay, Vicky, she doesn't need rallying. Oh, Shannon's just going to be in this relationship. It's going to be terrible. Like, it's like, (laughs) fine. You just want, you know, if you don't want your friends, fine, Shannon. And now Emily storms off of (laughs) sex. (laughs) <laughs> it's like what the fuck I love this cast and then this is where I I got jolted by Emily's confessional she's like she says her confessional she's trying to maintain a relationship publicly that she wants to look like it's solid and perfect and amazing he's called her names and said that she's fat and unattractive and then she like chokes up in the, and she's like it, it really hurts my heart that like someone would say that like it really like And she, like, Emily gets, like, choked up by it. And I'm, like, if that is true, that John says that, that is a deal breaker. And I'm, like, that should, no, Shannon. And, like, but, again, it's, like, yeah. It's just a lot also because it's, like, also Shannon's probably doing this drunk, like, venting this stuff drunkenly. And, like, yeah.
1: Well, and the thing also is that Shannon he is a step up and is so much better than david right yeah and i think that shannon is like well i can't get better than this that's
0: what i think it is i think she's so worried that if she loses john that's the last yeah
1: and it's like it's not like i mean it's not like i couldn't put up with you in a relationship (laughs) but somebody will
0: yeah there's a person though there there is a person um Emily comes back at the table is like I'm always gonna be the bad guy in this situation and Heather goes no actually you're making me the bad guy (laughs) and then Emily goes you know what we'll all be the bad guy none of us are gonna come out of this clean because we're all talking about Shannon well (laughs) Shannon and Shannon says to Tamara you know I don't call them all the time like they're making out like I called them one time in like two years ago or whatever like Shannon's basically just like they're they're lying. And I'm like, yeah. I think you were just drunk and don't remember. And that's kind of worse. Yeah. Um, Tamara. Well,
1: who is somebody else says something at some point that she also called them at like 3 a.m. Yeah. Drunk and like vented over the phone. So I mean it's not just Emily at Javier's. It was it's been multiple people. Right. Tamara
0: goes, Do you feel like Heather's lying? It's like Again, Tamara, like, can you take your foot off the gas for two seconds? I get she, Like, you could tell she feels like she Heather's getting off the hook, right? Yeah. And so it's like, and then Shannon goes, I don't know. Heather then comes up to Shannon and goes, I want to make sure you're okay. And Shannon goes, I'm not. What's going on with your marriage? There's stuff on the internet about yours. Is it deflection? And then we see, because there were headlines of, like, that right. Terry was cheating. I do remember that. Yeah. But, but Heather thinks, that, Heather's like, it's
1: just bullshit. But it's squashed and, so quick.
0: Yeah. And, but Heather's like, really, you're going to like bring me up in this moment. Like, yeah, that's bullshit. Shannon storms off again. She goes, I don't have affairs. I don't have bad shit. I
1: have arguments that paralyze me. And I'm like, that's bad shit. Right. I'm the happiest I've ever been. I have arguments that paralyze me. What? Just like, not, not just like we have arguments like couples. Like it's one thing she would say if she was
0: saying we have arguments like every normal couple. She's saying, I, we have arguments, and it breaks me to my core. Like, I just, I.
1: Do you hear it, like, what you're saying? That's not okay. Like, that does not equate with the happiest I've ever been. Yeah. And if it does, girl, you deserve better than that. So yeah. don't settle for that shit. Right.
0: Shannon's telling the camera. <laughs> she's outside, and Shannon's telling the camera, please stop with the camera. I'm not a crazy person. <laughs> it's just it's so bad it's such a spiral and then shannon then goes into the production tent again and just starts yelling at them like i had a conversation with emily two years ago (laughs) i have not spoken to them about john since then and then jen's fire alarm
1: starts going off for some reason they're like what the fuck like (laughs) (laughs) these poor producers are out there though like (laughs) it's literally like the the um the the taylor meme with the cat yeah like the producers are the cat and shannon's just sitting there screaming at them you're like okay was, shannon okay, okay okay
0: i'm so sorry this is happening to you but um and then heather then has emily asks emily to go talk inside and heather literally at one point just goes what are you doing man <laughs> and emily's like i'm just being honest and heather goes believe me if i wanted to spread shit i can spread shit i don't do that and you know what? I think lately, you're just looking for shit to be pissed about me with, and I don't like it. And I'm like, Heather has a point. Like, yeah. Because Emily has been like getting like very easily triggered by Heather for no reason, to where we've said it feels like a takedown. Yeah. And Emily literally goes, you have a point. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty obvious. Gina then joins them, and she's like, you know, they get into, like you know, putting it on Heather and Gina's like, I don't think we should get into semantics. You know, at the end of the day, everyone here has violated the vault. She says violating the vaulting. And I mean, it's like, I violated the vaulting. Like, you know, <laughs> so now they've just basically like, I, it, if this was completely to set up Heather, now they're like, well, it didn't work. Now we're all being blamed. So now we have to be like the sympathetic, like, yeah, we all feel bad for Shannon. So like, you know, we all did it. Like, and then they have to think of something else. To this was an artists.
1: intervention, really. Yeah. <laughs> that's how it's going to be repainted in the future.
0: And Gene is like, you can't start chucking people under the... Uh, uh, start chucking under the people that care about you. And Shannon, like, leaves in the van with Vicky and Tamara and storms off upset and stuff like that. And so that's the end of the episode. And it was... I needed a good chaotic episode like that. <laughs> yeah. Like, that was really, like, so fun to watch. And oh, just, yeah. like... Just constantly moving and then but and also like really shifting my perspective of like i think like i don't think the relationship is good spoiler like like shocking conclusion i don't think shannon and john are good yeah (laughs) like it's probably more than just the simple and it makes me think it it probably is more than just the simple like john just broke up with her for like you know to let her down easy there's probably a lot of stuff there, and, yep. and and there's a lot going on, and it feels like we're going to get into it more and more. But N- see, Shannon
1: co-signed that. Yeah. Seemingly, she didn't really make a statement. But remember, but she didn't denounce it either. But now
0: it makes me think, like, you know, the fight. Remember the fight a couple of weeks ago that she had allegedly had with John at like a restaurant or something, uh-huh. and got like kicked out. Like like a couple weeks ago, it happened.
1: And like, But allegedly, like, she didn't have a fight with John. She had a fight with his daughter. And she and wasn't being kicked, kicked out. out. It was just closing time.
0: And she's like, John released a statement about it. And I'm like, okay, but, like, like it makes it seem... It, I'm like, how much of it is you guys just protecting each other?
1: Yeah. Also, you know, you've been broken up for s- eight months at this point? Yeah. Like, when are you going to stop... Acting like you're a couple,
0: so, but the thing, like, it's like if it makes it like, are they on and off? And like to me, that's kind of toxic. Yeah. Like...
1: <sighs> and and it it really makes me worry that she's like running around taking pictures with David now and taking pictures yeah, with John. It, ma- again. it, it makes it like, so
0: much darker.
1: It's just like stop, stop. You need rehab. It, you're addicted to assholes. Yeah. And I get it, never mind. And There's maybe, a and there, maybe but,
0: alcohol as well.
1: <laughs> maybe alcohol, but we've been down that road <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> of calling her an alcoholic. It doesn't go over well. No, it
0: doesn't. <laughs> but I'm thinking, but you know who it normally doesn't go over well with? Alcoholics.
1: Yeah. Well, I don't even necessarily think that she's an alcoholic. I think that she is self medicating. Yes, yes. And I yes, think yes. that once she solves those issues, she will no longer struggle with the alcohol.
0: Right yeah that's my hope that's I just want Shannon to be better because I love Honestly, shannon yeah and I'm like, now nah, this is making me sad
1: i mean as as fun as it is watching the chaos, it sucks that it's a real person like yeah. if it this is one of the reasons that I love scripted television because you can have all of that you know fun chaos craziness without having the the guilt of enjoying it because that's a real person, right? Right. When it's just a character on TV, it's not a real person. That's yeah. an actor.
0: Yeah, but I'm sure. Again, more to come from this saga. OC is is giving us everything that we need right now. So.
1: Oh yeah. All right. Let's get into these tops and bottoms. We got uh, Atlanta. We got Roni. We got OC. What you thinking?
0: Um, top for this week. I'm going. You know what? Undercover Top. I'm going to give it to... Not Undercover Top. You
1: know what I mean. Um, I'm going to give it to Jenna Lyons. Well, we don't know. She might be a top. There we go. Um, and it would be Undercovers. The,
0: I thought she... I loved seeing her play a, the role that she played this episode with like carrying the bone about the Jessel yeah. stuff and sort of maneuvering that way and playing innocent. Well, maybe not playing. I th- like maybe she was genuinely innocent in that regard cause I think she was. She's I I mean cuz that's the it's she's convincing in that regard. So it was it was int- like we said it when the season started where it was like it would be interesting to see how Jenna's going to fit in that role, mm-hmm. if she's how the tropes of housewives are going to impact her life and like where she'll operate and where she won't. And I thought it was really interesting to see her play that role. Of the shit stirrer and the the pot stirrer. Um, I thought she was really masterful at it, actually. Oh, Uh, my God. How did you get that
1: bone? I gave you that. Where did I get that bone? What what do you mean I just stirred the pot? Where did the spoon come from? What? The plausible
0: (laughs) deniability of it all was just, like, really fun to watch. (laughs) Um, So I'll give my top to her. My bottom, I'm going to give it to Drew over on Atlanta, and that sucks because I've actually been liking Drew lately. Yeah, and I and but it's like this ever since this whole Natoya stuff. I'm like, no, like you're just falling into the trap that I didn't like in your first couple seasons, where you just come off real fake. Yeah, and it's like the lying, you'll just lie. You you'll just like outright lie no matter what. Yeah, like and be so adamant to where it's like there's no. Budging, and there's no like copping to it, and just like what
1: it's giving kid in trouble, and you're trying to adamantly deny so that you don't get like grounded or whatever. Yeah, and
0: just go like to me, it's like just go on offense, yeah, like go on even if it's against candy because I know, like, but just go on offense then, like, that to me is more compelling as a housewife than you doing this.
1: The problem is, is you, it's really hard to go on offense against candy because she just owns everything, sure. It's really, like, I mean, the opposite, of Drew. Like, what are you gonna do? Like, yeah. what are you gonna call her out on?
0: Yeah, but I, yeah, it just was frustrating to watch because I was like, I've been really advocating for you lately, Drew, and it's like, yeah it, yeah, it went back to her bad tendencies. Um, what about you, babe? What are your tops and your bottoms?
1: Um, I'm going to talk about my bottom first, and it is um someone from Roni. Okay, surprisingly. Um, but it's not anyone that we actually saw on our TVs this week. It's Bethany Frank. Oh my God. So, okay. I want to talk about this unionizing thing. I, like we have talked about that we stand with SAG-AFTRA yep. and we stand with the Writers Guild. Um, and we, you know, we've heard, you know, this week that, um, you know, they're joining with SAG-AFTRA yep. with the... Uh, this unionizing movement that Bethany has started, which, like we mentioned earlier, it's a great thing. They should be unionized. They should be paid appropriately. They should have all of these things, right? Um, I just don't trust Bethany's motivations. And I don't trust that she is someone who is going to, because she is so easily personally taken down, um, it drags the whole movement with it, and it really delegitimizes it. We had talked privately um offline about how about who we would think should lead this movement, and it should be candy, yeah, like talk about someone who treats her workers properly, who knows what it's like to be on these shows for so long. It's not even just this show she's had um she's had several spinoffs you know, that she's done. Um, So, I mean, clearly this woman knows what she's doing. Um, But then we look over at Bethany and she had her own, you know, reality competition show that never happened. Which
0: a lot of people have been coming out and being like, yeah, the contracts on that were fucked up as well. So, like, to to come out and say, like, you're for all this. And also, like, being so, like, I know she speaks. Bravo was talking about it, like her being so actively like suck it up to Uh people for all these years, and like sort of writing for Bravo so hard, and like
1: all of a sudden now she's against Bravo because there's no more milk there for her. Yeah,
0: my thing is like because they claim they have anywhere from I've heard anywhere from like fifty to eighty names signed onto that letter or that or that are gonna join them in the thing with like accusations about certain things. Mm -hmm. And all that stuff. I need to see those names. To me, that's the names I think are really going to be telling in terms of what I think about this. And not just, and I'm not saying also people that were off the show. I don't think everyone that's off the show is bitter. I don't think that's the case. But I can guarantee you what what I inevitably think is going to happen, which is when we see people like Lisa Renna on that list, when we see Raquel on that list, when we see, or sorry, Rachel, she's going by Rachel now. Um, when we see um, fucking Brandy Glanville, after all this whole Caroline Manzo stuff. Ramona. Ramona. When we see those people on that list, I'm going to be like, I don't take this seriously. Yeah. I
1: don't. Well, and the thing is, is that if she was really, like, motivated to get people taken care of, this is not, to me, this is a class action. Yeah that needs to separately there needs to be unionizing right the unionizing needs to be under the brand of not just bravo housewives this needs to be reality stars period which i
0: think that from what i understand that's the goal because i know like the bachelor and like love island is being like looped into this stuff as well but i agree like in it's set there. That's why I'm like, the, the grievances are the grievances. Like, and, right. and some of them are true, and some of them probably are not. Right. i
1: But that needs to be separate, because those are actual actions that, you know, whether true or not, those are your accusations against NBC, Universal, Bravo. Right. Um, and there's production companies, various production companies that have produced these shows. So that, that needs to be a class action lawsuit. Right, That needs to be a separate thing. If you have documentation of mistreatment, all of those things, that needs to be separate over here. And Bethany, if you want to lead that charge, go right ahead. But the unionizing of reality stars and making sure that they are getting paid their residuals and making sure that they are... Because the whole reason that reality television took off was the writer's strike in 2000.
0: Yeah, and it was cheap. Like, reality is very cheap to produce. Right. It's, it's very cost-effective in that regard. And, and then
1: we had another writer's strike in 2007, and lo and behold what happened, The Housewives. Yeah. And then, and that was also the same time that RuPaul's Drag Race started. It was like 2009, like right in the middle of that, um, that era. writer's strike again. And now we have another writer strike. So, like, we, we need to be paying people. Like, right. we need to stop, like... Because part of the issue is that, like, when the, when the companies, the production companies, have reality TV to fall back on, they don't feel the pain of these strikes. Yeah. So while it is going to take from the ability of us as podcasters or like us as just people who consume media is going to take away from our ability to enjoy things and do things. I think it's more important that we make sure that people are being paid right. And if that means that we take all TV off the air, yeah, then that's what we do. Um, but I don't think that Bethany is the one to leave this charge. I think it should be someone on the... The along the lines of candy she 's got a lot on her plate, though <laughs> girl is tired
0: yeah, and if any I mean with the way the production's been acting, I' probably sh- 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 would have actual grievances in that regard
1: honestly though um Kenya might be a a better option like she Maybe. does have she does have a small child and possibly a second child in the near future, but like she is very good at drumming up energy we've seen what she did with that fundraiser earlier this season like she is good like she could fundraise for this she could you know to have like a strike fund like i think she would be able to her and her and candy working together to lead this movement especially with them still being on television yeah and still being contracted like i think I think that would send a clearer message, and I think it would have a much bigger impact. And honestly, the two of them have much less in the terms of things in their, like skeletons in their closet, than Bethany fucking Frankel. Right. Like, you should have known you were not the right person, to, but she's never been self evaluated. No. She's yeah. never been self aware. Yeah. Anyway, that's my bottom for the week.
0: What about your top for the week?
1: My top for the week is also from Rony. <laughs> but it is current Rony because we're talking about Bryn Whitfield.
0: Yeah, this was Bryn's episode.
1: Bryn was so great. Um, like between like yes, she was guarded on certain things, right? But number one, she eventually got there and she let us in, and she is willing to show vulnerability, but she's also like incredibly playful and just Funny and brings so much charm mm-hmm. and just like brightness and like uh, it's just it's infectious. It's it's so good. Like you can't help but be gravitated towards her. Yeah. Um. So I just like we've needed her on our television screens for so long, <laughs> and I'm glad that she's here now. Um. And we get to have her hopefully forever. Um. She's she's fabulous. Um no notes just keep doing you hey thanks for tuning into this episode of A Gay and His Envy
0: join us next time for more of our recaps and hot takes and be sure to subscribe and leave a review wherever you are listening and check us out on our social media at A Gay and His Envy on
1: all the platforms a special shout out to Shane Ivers who wrote Pulsar the song we use for our theme I'm Eamon. I'm Merlin and And we're we're out out.
0: this show is a member of the Sorgatron Media Podcast Network find out more at SorgatronMedia.com